What's up, everyone? Welcome back to I Came With Fire podcast. It's your boy, Brandon, and your boy, Zach. YOLO. Back at you. YOLO? What does that mean? I've never heard you that before. You only live once. I know. <laughs> I got you. I got you. That was that new thing, sarcasm. But we're there. We're oh, there. okay. My bad. Maybe a listener didn't know. How- Maybe they didn't. That's that's what we're here for, you know, dropping a little knowledge on the way, just kind of making sure everybody's on par and, and knows their shit. But yeah, mm-hmm. tonight should be a fun one. Yeah. What is an act of war? Pretty serious for right after Christmas, but that's all right. You know, sometimes things get serious. The holidays don't matter when it comes to th- stuff like that. But it's true. Yeah, man. Uh, up front, just want to say, you know, I was looking at where people listen to us and um, by, you know, far and away, the number one country that listens to us is the United States, the greatest country hmm. on earth for sure. Interesting. Um, but that's where most of our listeners are. But the one thing that I did notice too, is that the majority of our listeners are people who are not subscribed and it's the same across Spotify and Apple and YouTube. So I just want to say, if you listen to us, it's deeply appreciated. Um, I often find myself surprised anybody wants to listen to me in the first place. Um, but if Likewise. you're going to do it, please just hit that subscribe button. It means a lot to hit the subscribe button. And um, if you feel like going the extra mile, you can comment and tell us if you think, you know, what we said is is good or bad or here for feedback, you know, constructive criticism, good or bad. But yeah, hit subscribe, man. Like 90% of you guys are just listening to us and, and didn't even hit that subscribe button. Like, don't you want to not miss another episode? Yeah. I know. I, I think how hard it's got to be to hit like- subscribe go to YouTube or your, your listening platform and they have to search for us and then click mm-hmm. on it when all you could have done is just hit subscribe right. and they would have just gave it to you. Making your When you easier. open up YouTube, we will be suggested content. Mm. It will be your suggested content. You won't have to miss it. Yeah. Yep. You're true. saying that's how algorithms work. They actually did a study on this one time. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of the individual, but they were trying to determine whether or not like algorithms are jilted to one thing or the other. So what they did is created a totally new account on YouTube and searched for nothing but puppy videos. And they did this for however long they did. And mm-hmm. all the algorithm would show them was basically puppy videos or like cute animal videos. So hmm. your algorithm really is what you search for. So all those crazy videos you see, it's your fault first off. Yep. But – if you go and find it and you subscribe to cute puppy videos, subscribe, right? You'll see more cute puppy videos or you'll see more cute Brandon and Zach videos. And those are good videos. So and we're pretty and on top cute. of that too, I just want to say to everybody, it's true. Even with his bald head, we're pretty cute. And, uh, you know, sorry, Smith, had to do it's it. Fine. But the other thing too, one of the best ways to support us other than subscribing is checking out our sponsors. Want to thank them up front, right? Redefine violence. Sheep's Clothing LLC. Use code FIRE10. Get 10% off. They got some MMA gear. They got some cool merch. You can go over there. Support us by supporting them. Um, and I know for a long time we were sponsored also by Red Clover Coffee, but no longer. Now sponsored by Skull and Cross Beans, an active duty Air Force owned coffee company name. as well because we like coffee. I know I like coffee. So do I. Pirate themed coffee. Can't get any better than that, dude. You know, when you're trying to go out there and sail the seven seas, you need your fresh cup of coffee in the morning. Uh, I already got some some coffee from them. It is super good. Um, dark roast, medium roast, light roast. They have flavored coffee. Again, code FIRE10. 
Thank you to Skolem Crossbeans. Support us by supporting our sponsors. And one more time, what do we want people to do, Zach? Subscribe. Subscribe. Please, guys. If you're listening, it doesn't take a lot of effort. Just boop. Subscribe. Boop. And if you're feeling, you know, extra cute, boop. Notifications on, right? Yeah. And you'll see all of the shorts. You'll see all the reels if you if you follow us on Instagram, you know, and you'll see all the videos. You know when the videos drop on Fridays, but you'll get notified the second they drop. So anywho, tonight's episode is uh what is an act of war? And um Zach and I talk about this fairly often when we're on episodes because a lot of the geopolitical stuff that happens comes up in our conversations. And we normally end up finding something that kind of flirts with that line of what may be an act of war or not. And we always say like, look, here's something that could be construed as an act of war, but isn't and hasn't been taken as such. Right. And um, some of those things are actual armed attacks, whether it's missile attacks or drones or, or whatever. Right. And some of them we talked about a few times are cyber attacks. Um, and, uh, and the other things that we talk about and have talked about sometimes um, that are a gray area, right, are like fentanyl at the southern border. And mm-hmm. because those, those ingredients come from China and those are coming into the United States through, through Mexico and other countries below our southern border, right? And the intent behind that 100% is, is to get Americans hooked on drugs. And um, so you're crippling the American populace, right? So one of the things for an act of war, right, is, is harming American citizens. Um, just because you're not pulling a trigger and wearing a uniform with a Chinese flag on, it doesn't necessarily mean your intent is not bad, right? So we kind of want to talk about a lot of that stuff today. We're going to give you a couple examples of some cyber attacks and kind of talk about the totality of circumstances and how those could be misconstrued or taken as acts of war. Um, mm-hmm. There has never in the history of the world been a cyber attack that um, triggered an in-kind self-defense response that led to war, Correct. but there certainly have been plenty of cyber Cyber attacks levied against other countries um, during war. Um, you know, most recently, for sure, uh, Russia and Ukraine shutting down the you know um, the the electrical grid there. I remember watching the night that uh, Russia invaded Ukraine. All of the lights in Kiev went out. That was mm-hmm. a cyber attack. It wasn't just some sort of like energy conservation move by the Ukrainian government. So. Um, We'll talk about some of that stuff, give you guys some examples. But the other thing we're going to do, too, is kind of talk about how the DOD um, views the use of violence or the use of force. And uh, as many of you guys know, Zach and I are uh, military police, or as the Air Force calls us, security forces. And we have some guidelines on how we use force. And so we're going to give you guys some of those examples and talk about that a little bit and talk about also rules of engagement just to kind of lay the groundwork on how the DOD views use of force um, and how they're different in those arenas and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, anyway, um, Zach, I'm going to let you kick it off, bro. Um, we'll talk about real quick what the United States upfront views an act of war, what it is, the definition, and then what the United States needs specifically um, to vote on and declare war on another sovereign nation. Yeah, of course. Um, so the United States is pretty, their definition is kind of vague and it's very short. And I think it's done that way intentionally. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have more left and right boundaries to decide how things are going to be. Um, but the actual Definitely. definition of what they consider an act of war is an act by one nation intended to initiate or provoke a war with another nation or an act considered to cause sufficient damage for war. So 
Mm-hmm. That's it. That's what the U.S. decides. Um, some key things in there, it says that uh, they specify nations, right? So the United States, if they, when they do declare war, they can only technically declare war legally against like another nation. They can't just like the war on drugs, right? Mm-hmm. It's called the war on drugs, but it's not like an actual war against yeah. like fentanyl or drugs. And, and the war on terror, it's called the war on terror, but it's not an actual declaration of war against all terrorism. Um, mm-hmm. It is, uh, is a military movement per se. And that is kind of what that falls under. Um, when it comes it's sort of a gray area then. Yeah, it is a very gray area. Um, and we'll get more into that and kind of how the U.S. uses terror to kind of front its wars today or for like the last 20 plus mm-hmm. years. Um, but yeah, that's it. Yep. It's a pretty weird gray area. Um, it is. When it comes to declaring war, though, the U.S. has not declared war since World War II. The last time they declared war pretty was, interesting. was after uh, the attacks on Pearl Harbor when they decided to declare war against Japan. and then. Germany declared war against them, and then they went, all right, you get it too. So um, those mm. are the last dec- declarations of war. Um, for them to declare a war, uh, they have to have a majority vote in Congress, um, and it's just a majority. So as, as long as one person, 51% of it, is saying, yeah, we're good to go, then you are good to go. Um, that's how that mm-hmm. works. Um, so it's kind of interesting um, that we haven't declared wars in a long time. Because if you think back, you have like the Korean War, you have the Vietnam War, you have yeah, the Global Desert War Storm. on Terror, you have Desert Storm, you have the Iraq War. Mm-hmm. So the U.S. has had a lot of conflicts since World War II, and that's the key word there is conflicts. Um, so it, it, it's pretty interesting. Um, but before we kind of yeah. get... You're going to say something, Brandon? No? Yeah, I was just going to say that I, I think it's it's pretty indicative of the military-industrial complex with mm. some of these these wars that we've been at. Because whether you call it a war or a conflict, right? So like the K- Korean War is a conflict, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's still American lives being lost. There's still American money being funneled into it. There's still American resources being destroyed and uh, mobilized, right? So. I think that there is a this has always been a concerted effort to keep that going, you know, and I think that a lot of these these things like you talked about, these military operations or whatever um, have been used and the the rules have sort of been bent and the the sights on it have been skewed a little bit to make it easier to, um, you know, use those military resources. And um, so I think that's kind of why personally we've not declared war because it'll probably be a lot harder to go do those things if you have mm-hmm. to get everybody in Congress for well, the majority of the Congress to agree to go do it. Um, and this is something that, you know, I think is, is interesting. Um, you know, and it's led to a lot of other weird things too. So con- conspiracy theories, Kennedy, you know, mm-hmm. being one of them, but, uh, anyway, that's for another episode, but yeah, no, it I is. appreciate you. Um, one of the things that I know we talked about before too, was, um, and you just mentioned it too, but like GWAT, right? Um, the United States actually petitioned um, the UN, right? You said yes. to go to war and the the time it took for that process to go through took too long, essentially. And the US said, fuck it, right? Yeah. So after World War II, uh, the United Nations was formed and the UN has a part that says like, if you want to declare war... Um, you have mm-hmm. to go through the UN and it has to be agreed upon by like the other nations. And it's voted by all the members of the UN. 
Um, and as, again, as long as it has majority, then you're good to go. But it is a very long mm-hmm. nine-step process. Um, you have to file articles 39 through 51 of um, this UN clause. Um, and this whole thing starts with you having to determine you have to determine and prove that there is a threat of peace or a breach of peace or an act of aggression towards mm-hmm. your country from another nation. Um, you mm-hmm. also have to prove that you did everything in your power using like diplomacy to try to not go to war. So you can't just like immediately just punch back. You have to be like, hey, let's talk this out. Let's try to solve this. Um, you have to uh, show uh, how what measures that you would do instead of war. So that's like sanctions or other stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, but it takes a long time. Uh, when the U.S. was trying to get ready to invade Iraq in 2003, um, they submitted this and they submitted it like six is months before the invasion of Iraq and the UN was taking too mm-hmm. long and uh, they yeah. decided, screw it, we're just going to do it ourselves. And so we just did it. And then the UN, several months later, about four to five months after the invasion of Iraq, decided, no, you didn't have just cause. Like it was voted no, but we were already in Iraq. Yeah. So it uh, didn't right. matter. Very, very interesting. Yeah. So there's a, there's a way to do it, but it's uh, a bunch of red tape and a whole bunch of paperwork and a bunch of stuff. And it kind of doesn't make sense mm-hmm. for if a nation like invades you. Are you actually going to sit there and be like, just a sec, guys, we can't retaliate. We need to go through this process with the UN. Seems kind of mundane. Yeah. No, I think um, I think there's provisions for that, though, that the triggering is self-defense, self-defense of your nation. So, like, for example, like you said, if tomorrow Canada decided it was going to invade the United States mm. um, and troops actually marched across the border into New York, right? Um, the United States could absolutely defend itself immediately. And yeah. I think those provisions take into account things like, let's just say, Canada launched missiles into who? This is totally funny to me, right? Uh, <laughs> Canada launched missiles into the United States and it struck New York City, right? Mm-hmm. Well, there was that's an attack, right? But there would be a time period where we would say, okay, was this an accident? Or these a couple of, you know, idiots? And the Canadian military that did this was this some sort of like rogue general who decided that the United States deserved it and mm-hmm. told a bunch of troops to do it, right? Or is this actually something the Canadian government has decided to do, right? And it's one of those those times where stillness is key, right? Mm-hmm. Let's ref, you know let's figure this out, right? Um, before having an in kind response and doing other things, so um, that's one of those times. It's like kind of like talking about well, yep, we've determined that Canada actually does have some sort of hostility towards us, and mm-hmm. now we need, you know. But again, like what you said, it wouldn't make a lot of sense to sit and wait nine months before retaliating if you yeah. were to figure that out. That's not that's not probably, how war works, and it's probably out a couple hours. <clears throat> like I don't think it takes too long right. to figure yeah. out that pretty quickly. If the Canadian yeah, Joe Biden getting on the phone it, with Justin Trudeau, yeah. mm-hmm. Yeah, hey, bro. Yeah, is 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 it really? Is this is this going to be a uh, maple syrup showdown, or are we? You know what's going on? Um, But uh, 
I think it's designed that way on purpose too. these, these UN rules to slow things down and probably in the hopes of initiating some sort of uh, discourse between two nations. And yeah. like you said, to find other ways to resolve these, these differences, but to, to stick with the current times, when you invade another country like Russia did with Ukraine, um, you know, that you have to have some sort of in-kind response. You can't mm-hmm. just decide immediately that, okay, well, while, while Russian troops are moving through our country and are marching towards Kiev, we're, we're going to go ahead and petition the UN right now and wait. So I can, I, I can understand that. Um, I'll say what's interesting about the UN ahead, is like, they don't like, sure. They have, I guess, a positional power. Um, mm-hmm. But like the U.S. showed in 2003 that, nah, screw it. They just did their own thing. And it, it gets kind of interesting, yeah. too, is um, there's the War Powers Resolution, which went into – this is a mm-hmm. U.S. act. And it went into effect in the 70s. Okay. And and the War Power Resolution um, requires the president to notify Congress within 48 hours of committing armed forces to military action and forbids armed forces mm-hmm. from remaining more than 60 days with a further 30 day Mm. withdrawal period. So what's interesting about that is that the president of the United States technically at any moment could just use the military to invade or attack anything or anyone without congressional Mm -hmm. approval. As long as he tells them that it happened within 48 hours of it happening and he can just do that for 60 days. And once he gets the 61st day, as long as he's pulling the troops back, then it's okay legally i mean he's gonna mm-hmm. get a real big slap on the wrist and probably a lot of scrutiny from the media and the american public and a whole bunch of other stuff but in theory what's interesting to me the most about this is that technically the president could start a war by just doing this mm-hmm. and then the retaliatory strike from whoever we attacked would then maybe constitute an mm-hmm. actual declaration of war so it's weird it's like a at any time, the president could just start a conflict. They could just be like, we're doing it. Let's go. Yeah, where the U.S. is the aggressor. Yep. But the U.S. does well, have policies kind of, where we are – we're not supposed to be the aggressor. We always get hit first and then respond. That's our main policy usually. But mm-hmm. we do tend to yeah, preemptively yeah, yeah. strike. Sure. I mean there's there's plenty of times where we've hit other nations' leaders, right? So like – the Iranian general Soleimani that uh, Donald Trump took out mm-hmm. and used as an example and said, don't fuck with me. And really using that term general is, is um, used pretty loosely because the guy was more like a mob boss than anything. Yeah. But my question to you then is like something like all these drone strikes that happened, like with, you know, Barack, President Obama had the most like drone strikes against other nations right and killed yep. a lot of civilians in, in in the process are those drone strikes something obviously he authorized but they fall under that provision from the 1970s where he can make that decision and say you know what there's some houthi rebels here we're going to go ahead and take them out with with a drone strike is that where is that what that's falling under no i could see how it could if there wasn't another act mm-hmm. that would allow mm-hmm. them to do this so there is the authorization okay. for use of military force, um, which mm-hmm. Congress approved. Everyone approved it except for one member. Um, the right. only member that said no was uh, Barbara Lee, and she has the representative Barbara Lee. And she said all the way through her tenure, she's always said, 
I still would say no. Um, but <laughs> this came into effect. Uh, it was passed on September 18th, 2001. So mm-hmm. uh, seven days, a week after um, 9-11. And uh, this pretty much gives a blank check or a blank blanket statement for the president of the United States to, as long as this act is in effect, which is still in effect today, to at any time take mm-hmm. out any terrorists, terrorist organization, terrorist sympathizers, anything that potentially could harm the U.S. or its allies relating to terrorism. And that's where the war on terror comes mm-hmm. from, technically. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what allowed us to go right into Afghanistan. It's what allows Obama to do his drone strikes, what allowed George Bush to do what he did, it's what allowed Trump to... I think take out the Iranian um, general because he was saying that there was a, a, a an attack imminent that was a terrorist esque attack that he was planning or a part of or was part of logistics for. So that gets kind of yeah. where that gray area is, where it's this act since two thousand one has kind of allowed the U.S. military and the U.S. government at any time. All they have to say is well terrorism and they just get a get a get a jail free card at least from the american government to do what they want yeah well Soleimani was in charge of all kinds of people who were sent into afghanistan and iraq to Mm -hmm. build bombs and blow up american troops and so he was responsible for a lot of american deaths had a lot of blood in his hands so yes killing that guy was probably long overdue and I liked the way Trump did it by using it as a fuck with me and this will be your ass next sort of thing for yeah. sure. But it's uh, also the same thing um, you know, that allowed Barack Obama to send a SEAL team in and uh, take out Osama bin Laden in Pakistan yep. as well. Yep. Right. So um, in turn, right, let's just say if Iran had the same capabilities the United States did, and flew into Washington, D.C. and tried to kidnap the president in the middle of the night, that would be an act of war. And the United States would 100% do something about it. And here's where that big dog on the street sort of thing comes in that we've talked about before. Talking about deterrence? uh, Deterrence, yep. And not just deterrence, right? Because if you're the big dog on the street, people aren't going to try and do that because they know what's fucking coming because that's deterrence, right? Mm -hmm. But it's okay for the United States because of who we are and what we are and the kind of power we are able to uh, wield and bring around the world, right? Um, That makes certain things we do okay, quote unquote, uh, and not get some sort of in-kind response back from another country. And that's that's the deterrence uh, piece. And um, I know that you had some thoughts on it as well. Yeah, so the deterrence stuff is um, kind of interesting. It's like – it's, it's pretty much like a part to where the U.S., through its projection of strength and power and everything, it just – it can pretty much do what it wants because it knows no one can check them. Um, and we kind of get into an interesting – kind of like cold war 2.0 with China, how they're trying to become the next big dog on deck so they can then project power and kind of do whatever the heck they want without Mm -hmm. checking them. Yeah. Deterrence is uh, very critical, um, but it can be, it can be also a double-edged sword. Um, The U S as of late tends to be seen as the big bully in the international community 
Um, we have allies who should be real strong with us, um, like France, um, who are kind of starting to separate themselves. Um, the U.S. just came out with a coalition, Operation Prosperity Guardian, to defend yep. the Red Sea from the Houthis, mm-hmm. um, blowing up ships and stuff. But almost every single one of our joint Operation allies have said they're not going to partake in it or they're not going to be a part of it. So it's pretty much a joint operation of just the U.S. So it's it's interesting how the tides are kind of turning. Um, our deterrence to war um, is weakening, it looks like. I think this is one of those things where as time has gone on, the sort of propaganda that is is pushed out about the United States and what we do and who we are has reached a point where it's in entered the brains of more people um, mm. because of social media, because of, of open source Intel on online. Right. And so the, the whole red sea thing that you're talking about is essentially to protect shipping that's moving through the red sea. And, you know, let's be real. The biggest reason why that's happening is to ensure the flow of weapons and goods to Israel because of what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. But obviously, those other whatever ships that are carrying whatever they are, they're under threat as well because anything can happen, right? And so you could say that maybe these the allies of the United States are against doing this because they don't like the tactics that Israel is using um, in, in the Gaza Strip, right? And that's fair. They're allowed to have those sorts of thoughts and opinions. But I also don't think 20 years ago you would see this not working out the way the United States wants it to work out. Mm-hmm. And I think that has a lot to do with sort of that mind virus that's gone around that, that Western ideals and Western countries are just um, becoming viewed at even by their own people, especially by their own people as, yeah. as corrupt bullies to use the word that you, you've, you threw out there earlier. And um, I think that's what's happening. And I also think that there is, there is a lack of leadership as well, not only in the United States, but in a lot of European countries as well. And um, most people in these nations, they're sick and tired of all of this that's gone on, the constant violence, the constant war, constant need to pick sides. And and that's totally fair as well. But going back to the whole deterrence thing that you brought up, and, and this is something that other people in us have discussed on this podcast, when, when the United States is strong and leading the world, the world is at its best. And I truly believe that. And I know mm-hmm. that there's there's plenty of evidence out there that that points at that being the truth. And I would ask people to really think about like what you're you're choosing to believe and where you're getting your, your information. And it's totally okay to not support certain things, but at the end of the day, just consider the sort of strength um, through deterrence that the United States has enjoyed is why you enjoy the sort of first world life and comforts that you enjoy right now. And if you're maybe thinking like, well, maybe, maybe the United States, and I've heard this before and it's fucking nuts. And I'm like talking about it and I'm like being polite when I say it. But <laughs> if you're one of these people that is out here and you think that, you know, the United States is deserving of, you know, the shit, some of the shit, you no, know, we got stuff coming to us and all this, you know, that's fucking crazy. You live here. Everybody else lives here. You don't want to be a part of it. That's okay. But like, just understand what you're asking for. You, you mm-hmm. don't. And just like the same people that are out here asking for civil war, 
and they want to say, oh, well, you know, it's time, blah, blah, blah. That's ridiculous. And you don't understand what you're asking for. You don't understand what really, you know, you're, what really the reality is. So just, you know, I just want to put that out there when you talk about it. American strength is absolutely a good thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we can, we can talk about all the faults in the United States. There's plenty. But to, to sit there and act like, you know, we're the problem around the world, I, I don't buy that at all. So yeah. anyway. The United States, box. with all of its faults, I would still much rather have it be running the world. Not like controlling everything going on, but it needs to be like the the tip of change, yeah. the tip of the spear, the thing moving politics and stuff forward. Um, a time where I the think- U.S. is not doing that is going to be a very scary time. Right. And I think what we're actually talking about when we talk about, you know, the the unipolar world where there's one superpower at the top, there's there's never going to be a time where everybody just gets along. And I think that that dream is is a pipe dream first off. Mm-hmm. It's never going to happen. There's never going to be a time where everybody just gets along and there's no need for somebody, you know, calling the shots. There's always been somebody who was the height of what power looked like around the world, the United States, the British empire, right? You can go all the way back. It's just the way it is. And the human beings have a need an inherent need to compete with one another. And because of that, there will always be power struggle. It's the same thing that's happening right now. The United States is being challenged by the Chinese. Mm-hmm. And that is a very real thing. It's happening. It's very obvious that it's happening. And we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the things that are going on that aren't, that don't seem like acts of war, but 100% are viewed as the, by the Chinese as act of war, but they're never going to be a time where there is not somebody who is sitting at the top and that's just human nature. So when you talk about that, you're really just talking about what human beings are and that's never going to change until we evolve to the point where we don't have emotion and we don't have that in our brain anymore. But I don't think that's coming anytime soon. I don't see it happening anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so just, just consider what you're asking for when you sit there and say, you know, the United States doesn't deserve the the sorts of things that it, it has or that people don't deserve around the world. People don't deserve to enjoy the same sorts of comforts and, and freedoms the United States and other countries enjoy that, that are first world countries. Mm-hmm. Um, and there should definitely always be a concerted effort by the United States and allies to help other people in non-military fashions as well, of course. But deterrence is, is, is best held through strength and that strength has to be backed up by something and it certainly isn't TikToks and hopes and prayers. So anyways, yeah. Very true. Very There's true. that. So yeah. So soapbox. But um anyway, enough you know we're simping over the United States. But uh let's let's kind of jump to um the whole use of force thing and talk yeah. about like how the DOD views use of force, especially for for like us as military police. Um because I'm sure that's like civilian law enforcement uh, have like different rules maybe and probably you know, state by similar. state, stuff like that. It's probably very similar. But again, I just want to put that disclaimer out there. Zach and I are neither, neither of us are civilian law enforcement, don't know what every agency in the United States, especially state by state, county by county, mm-hmm. um, outlines for their officers. We just know what like the DOD says um, for us specifically. Yeah. And both of us have worked with um, other services and, and they're, equivalents of uh, security forces or it's MPs or masters at arms or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, um, but anyway, the way we view use of force um, is, is through a lens called the eight preconditions for deadly force. 
right? And um, that's that's deadly force use of force. And there's obviously other you know less than lethal uses of force. Um, and you should always be working towards de-escalating so you don't have to use the maximum use of force that that mm-hmm. is that you could do, right? Somebody's arguing with you about a speeding ticket. You're not going to pull your ass out and beat the shit out of them about it, right? Yep. Like now that's you're going bad. to jail and you deserve to go to jail. Right. That's bad. That's not a good use of force. And something I always like to tell um, the airmen who, who I've worked with is understand that the way you say things to people and giving them commands is, is the first level of use of force. Is you're mm-hmm. telling somebody to do something, the whole ask tell, make thing, right? Yep. So I'm asking you to put your hands behind your back. I'm telling you to put your hands behind your back. I'm making you put your hands behind your back. It's that escalation. So your instructions to somebody is your first use of force when you're telling them to do something because you are telling them to do something and taking away their personal liberty, right? And that you should do um, with utmost care and caution and thought um, if you mm-hmm. are able to you know, think about what you're doing. Some certainly things can happen in, in an instant. but. Um, Zach, why don't you dive into what the eight preconditions of deadly force are, and we can kind of talk about and give some examples and expand on those. Yeah, and the reason why we're bringing up the eight preconditions of deadly force is, one, this is this is what's recognized by the Department of Defense. So this is what's recognized probably internationally by the U.S. government as a whole. And we're going to tie these into acts of war-related type stuff uh, here later on. We just want to give you some better context. Mm-hmm. So the eight preconditions of deadly okay. force are self-defense, pretty self-explanatory, uh, defense of others, also pretty self-explanatory, um, serious offenses against others. So this one, I'm going to explain a little bit. This is like, um, so you're allowed to use deadly force if you believe that there's going to be a loss of life, limb, or eyesight. Those are like the three that are just recognized. Um, and mm-hmm. so limb or eyesight would be like in a serious offense against others. So like if someone's gouging out someone's eyeball, you could use deadly force to prevent that from continuing. Um, another use is escape is escape. Now escape is not just like if anyone's running away from you, you can just kill them. That doesn't make any sense. That's inhumane and not what it means. Um, the escapee has to be known to you as the individual who would potentially be doing deadly force to be a deadly individual. Like they were already convicted of like murder or a heinous crime or they're like a terrorist. Like that is when you can use it. Um, and the other one is right. uh, arrest slash apprehension. Um, and that is kind of self-explanatory. If you're arresting someone or you're trying to apprehend someone and they start fighting you or getting other stuff, then you could use deadly force. If it gets escalates to that point, you were unable to deescalate it away from that. And then these last three, which are kind of unique, and we'll explain these a little bit better. Uh, the first one is assets vital to national security. Um, Brandon, you want to kind of give us a, an idea of what an asset that's vital to national security is? Definitely. Uh, the easiest one would be a nuclear weapon. Oh, weird. <laughs> yeah, so nuclear weapon is an asset vital to national yeah. security. Um, the next one is going to be inherently dangerous property. So this is going to be like mm-hmm. someone interacting with a gun or with a bomb or anything else that could be considered mm-hmm. uh, inherently dangerous. And then the last one is national breaking into an armory. Yeah. Breaking into an army, that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, next one is national critical infrastructure. This is going to be like your wells, your uh, dams, 
um, your power plants, um, nuclear power plants, anything that has to do with critical infrastructure for the nation. Um, if those are being tampered with, they're being polluted, if medical being infrastructure, yep, medical infrastructure, um, those, you could use deadly force for that. So those are the eight preconditions. Again, I'll just go through them real quick. So we have self-defense, defense of others, uh, serious offenses against others, escape, arrestless apprehension, and then the last three, assets vital to national security, inherently dangerous property, and national critical infrastructure. Those are the eight preconditions. Yeah. So when we talk about the eight preconditions and like trying to like tie these into like acts of war, the first, the, the two things that really stick out to me the most, right, are assets vital to national security and in, in a critical infrastructure, right? Mm -hmm. Because we have actually seen cyber attacks on infrastructure. So give our, I just, I pulled up a couple of things here. Um, bear with me. I'll kind of read a little bit from these and, and we'll, we can talk about them too. Um, and there's a ton of examples. If you go online and you Google, um, if you go to, let's see, this is the Center for Strategic and International Studies. It will literally give you a month by month, yeah. you know, year breakdown of, um, you know, cyber attacks all the way from like, this one is August, 2023 Canadian politician targeted by a Chinese disinformation campaign on WeChat. Um, and actually that made, that made the international news, but attack included false accusations about politicians, race and political views. Right. So those are all considered cyber attacks, um, because you're using, um, a cyber source like right WeChat as as a way to spread information in a, in a digital way, right? Mm -hmm. So, and it can you know skew people's thought processes about politicians. It can skew the way people are uh, uh, voting for politicians and voting for certain things that those politicians bring up as policy. So there's all kinds of different um, ways that those can create chaos and, and cause havoc, right? So, but. The infrastructure thing that we're talking about, um, the, the one that I pulled up, because as I said, there are a ton of, yeah. of different ways. I have pulled up, Brandon. So for different those examples. who are watching on YouTube, you can yeah. actually see this. I'm scrolling slowly, but this bar is long and we're still in 2023. So it goes on for a long time. Right. Absolutely. And if, you, if you're looking at this, you'll see um, some common themes uh, in, in the, the sovereign nations who are going um, and doing these attacks. Right. Mm -hmm. I see China and Russia and North Korea a lot on here. Yep. Iran. Um, there's Chinese hackers again, right? North Korea is just scrolling. But anyway, um, it's not hard to go find cyber attacks and those cyber attacks are happening on infrastructure. I uh, would definitely view, you know, WeChat and basically dragging somebody's name through the mud as a lot different than some of these other things. But the one I want to talk about first, um, Happening in the United States, a lot of you um, will remember because it was just, just a couple of years ago, is the Colonial Pipeline ransomware attack. So ransomware attacks essentially are where a hacker will get into your system be through a backdoor or whatever, and it'll collect a bunch of files or information, data that you have stored in your computer. And it'll encrypt those files and it'll have a key that you need from them to be able to access those files and get them back. And so essentially it's called a ransomware attack because what they want from you is money or could be some sort of other, it could be digital currency like crypto or whatever. Um, but they'll, a lot of times, and this is actually kind of funny is, is you'll realize you, there's some ransomware attack happening to you and you'll get notified by the attacker and they'll actually walk you through what you need to do mm -hmm. to pay them to get your files back. Right. Go get these and Walmart this is a total 50, 50 shot. <laughs> 
Exactly. And it's, yeah, go get these Walmart gift cards. I want, you know, five Walmart gift cards and five KFC gift cards, right? <laughs> All this shit. But anyway, no, there's a 50 50 chance that you're taking if you pay them, you know, because you could just pay them. And what often happens is, is you're not going to get your files back and they ask for 10 grand. And if you had 10 grand, you gave it to them. And all you've done is funded their next ransomware attack operation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, suggest just for anybody out there listening, if this happens to you, just go to the police and let them know what's happening. Um, but the whole point is, is for them to pay you and in a perfect world, right? Well, this wouldn't happen, but they would give you the encryption key and you would use it to unlock all your files after you paid them whatever it was and you'd get them back, right? And that's a pretty benign sort of thing because if they get into your computer and they take all your photos or something, right? You got all these memories you have with your family and you want them back. Let's say you do get them back. That's pretty benign, right? It affects mm-hmm. only you. And that's what we're talking about here, This the Colonial Pipeline ransomware attack. Um, you know, you may remember seeing in the news that there were all these long lines at gas stations. Uh, people were going into grocery stores that they were, you know, buying up all this shit specifically in the Northeast, um, for sure. Um, but the colonial pipeline, I'm just going to read it to you guys. This is, um, this is directly from the news. It was perpetrated by a, a hacktivist group called dark side, which is a, a Russia based, um, hacker, hacker group. Um, the colonial pipeline is the largest pipeline for transporting uh, refined petroleum products in the United States. It originates at refineries in Houston, Texas, and extends 5.5 thousand miles into the New York City area. So that's a long way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Darkside interrupted Colonial Pipeline's access to its servers and demanded compensation. Exactly what I said, what a ransomware attack is. The attack shut down Colonial Pipeline's operations for five days, causing localized shortages of gasoline, diesel fuel, and jet fuel. So right up front, let's before we get into even more specifics about the attack, let's talk about the possible down downsides obviously and potential downsides even bigger than this that having shortages of gasoline diesel fuel and jet fuel will do for people okay if you don't have any gasoline and we've seen examples of this before this has happened in our country several decades ago right you can't go to work you can't drive mm-hmm. to the grocery store you can't you know if you if you're missing diesel fuel now what do you, what are what are the, i'm just gonna ask you zach what is one of the biggest things in our country that runs on diesel fuel all our shipping all our trucks going back and forth. Shipping, trucks, right? Yeah. All your little Amazon <laughs> lickies and yeah. chewies, you're not going to be getting those anytime, right? Yeah. Everybody survives on Amazon, right? So yep. jet fuel, and that's and there's all different kinds of jet fuel, right? You know, 747s run on different jet fuel than an F-22 runs on, you know, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. But who knows what kind of jet fuel that is that they're talking about. It generically mentions the word jet fuel, right? Mm-hmm. So up front, initially, the things that we're thinking about, right? Can't drive your car. Trucking potentially could, sh- could shut down the United States, and that's the majority of all of our goods and services. The United States is supported by trucks, shipping. It's wild. Actually, there's a website you can pull up. It'll show you all the shipping lanes around the world. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. I, I definitely implore everybody listening to go and find that because it shows you in real time what those shipping lanes are doing. And it's pretty wild. It'll even show you what those ships are carrying in a general format, right? Like if they're carrying fuel, or if they're carrying goods, or they're carrying, you know, um, you know, electronic things. It's, mm-hmm. it's pretty cool. And it'll show you where they all come from. And it's, it's pretty good to learn about, you know, from an economic standpoint, but you know, no jet fuel. Now you're talking about all different kinds of things. You know, you could be talking about commercial 
And you could be talking about military aircraft, right? So now you're talking about the potential to defend ourselves. You're talking about eradicating, you know, A, you're going to have shortages in, in civilian usage of, of vehicles. You're definitely going to have a shortage in usage of military vehicles. And sure, right, we have supply, we have stores of these things. In fact, uh, President Biden dipped into some of those reserves to help bring down gas prices yep. just this year, right? And and depleted a lot of those reserves we had. But so consider if something like that's going on where we're dipping into those reserves and then a cyber attack happens and shuts down these pipelines, okay? And the ability Sounds to like use a them, national then, critical infrastructure to me. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's why Zach and I decided that when we had this conversation, we would talk about the preconditions for deadly force because you can construe, you know, it's not hard to see where, you know, deadly force and act of war are separated, yeah. right? Obviously they are. War has rules of engagement when you're in a law enforcement setting. You also have quote unquote rules of engagement where we don't use that term. But when you're affecting national critical infrastructure like that, it's an act. It could be looked at as an act of war because yep. if I catch you actively destroying a fuel pipeline or, or, or an oil pipeline, legally, I can shoot you to prevent you from destroying that pipeline. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so this is where we have always kind of, I guess you could say, dude, we've just like been baffled by the lack of a response or the lack of public response, I suppose, because yeah. who knows, right? We don't know everything. We don't know what sort of things the United States government does in retaliation. If it does things in retaliation, I would hope they do things in retaliation. Yeah, there could be right? stuff we don't doing know. that we have no idea. For sure. For sure. And and it doesn't all make the news, that's for sure. So we could yeah. just be talking out of our ass when we say we don't do shit about it, right? Maybe mm -hmm. we do. And I hope we do. And I hope I'm wrong that we don't do anything about it, right? Obviously. Um, but you can see why if you go and shut down something like a pipeline, why that creates issues. And, and just the mention, right, of the vehicles being affected and the shipping that's being affected and the use of military vehicles uh, and aircraft being mentioned. Yeah. You know, there's all kinds of tertiary effects of that. So many generators run on different types of fuel as well, right? So if you if you have some sort of concerted effort where you shut down a pipeline and you also attack an electrical grid, well, now your your gas generator is a lot more, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? You know, your your, your use of it is going to be a lot more sparing mm -hmm. than it would be if you didn't have to worry about it in the first place, right? Yeah. So especially when you come to you know it comes to talking about maybe so doing this hey, in Brandon. the middle of the winter. Let's yeah. let's let's break this one down a little bit. All right. So let's let's just take this specific let's. scenario and let's pretend to mm -hmm. be the United States government and try to finesse mm -hmm. or figure out an appropriate response. So mm -hmm. you said that this was a hacktivist a hacktivist group yeah. in Russia. Now I'm assuming yep. that it's uh, a Russian base. So I'm assuming that it's like a bunch of hooligan Russian nationals who are just deciding to hack the thing. We don't know for sure if they're funded by the Russian government, if they're supported by the Russian government, or whatever. Could also kind of say that this no, might so be. This... Oh, you have more info? Go ahead. I do in regards to you know whether this is a, a state sponsored um, you know ter terrorist act. I guess you could say right. Yeah. Um, 
the United States, the FBI, right, specifically here. So I'll just say this, the Cybersecurity Infrastructure and Infrastructure Security Agency, so CISA is how if in the cybersecurity community we refer to it as CISA. We developed uh, the well, StopRansomware.gov to provide central locations for alerts, recognizing collaborative effects, the Joint Ransomware Task Force, yada, 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 the FBI. Um, does not recognize DarkSide as a state-sponsored um, okay. hacker well, they're, group. They're right? like terrorists. So, yeah. Right. So it's and this is I'll just give you um, here too. Right. Um, there, there's an official statement by the the Russian government, and right. So who knows? But just providing what the news says here. Right. Mm-hmm. Malicious activities in the information space contradicts the principles of Russian foreign policy, national interests, and understanding of interstate relations. Russia does not conduct offensive operations in the cyber domain. BS, right? Okay. Yeah. So, but the North Korea also will say like, "Oh, we don't we didn't hack oh, yeah. you, but like you know the hack came from North Korea and only the government has access to computers and servers to hack things." So it's kind of like a Yeah, it's kind of like, where do the Houthi rebels get all their missiles? From? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, yeah, like it wasn't you attacks. Russia directly, but I bet there's some mm-hmm some type of exchange going on for that hacktivist group to actually mess with the U S. So I guess right. let's, it's like a proxy attack. Yeah. So let's, let's think of an appropriate response. So I don't know how the U S actually responded or if they responded at all. Right. We, so yeah. is, is that in there I'll at all to say how they that. responded or no? Yeah. Let's run through your scenario and then I'll give more info. Okay. So, what do you think would be an appropriate response to this? Do you do you use the act that gives the president the ability to fight terrorism anywhere in the world and just bomb mm-hmm. them wherever they're at? Just an- annihilate them? Mm-hmm. It potentially being in Russian territory? And like maybe notify Russia, like, hey, they messed with their pipeline. It's a terrorist act. Either you blow them up or we do. Yeah. Like, what do you, is that, is that an appropriate think- response? So I think this is where that concept of deterrence comes into play, right? And the United States in a full-out war with Russia over the colonial pipeline would not be advised, right? Yes. It's is this to use the to use the phrase you use often, the juice is not worth the squeeze. Mm-hmm. But if you're able to figure out there should be a concerted effort first off to figure out exactly who did it. That should be the first and foremost thing. Other than fixing the, the pipeline shut down, right? Because you need to yeah. do both of those things simultaneously. You need to fix the pipeline and you also find out who the fuck did it. You find out it's this group, Dark Side, they're a Russian hacker group, right? The first thing that should happen is contacting the Russian government and explaining and, and hitting them with evidence and saying, this is this is where and how we know it's happening, right? This is who's doing it. And if you're able to sort of pinpoint where that attack is coming from which would be very 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 hard to do mm-hmm. okay um you know you would sort of demand a response from the russian government and that would be i would think going and arresting these people and then holding them accountable, accountable. right and you can yeah. talk about what that accountability looks like right because the united states i feel like we want to extradite those people to the u.s for yeah, crimes committed on russian soil even though, right but the russians wouldn't do that right nope. So because it would it would show Russia think, bowing to the U.S. and they'd be like, we're not doing that. Mm-hmm, for sure. And that's where this comes in. Right. So and I talk about like um, there's enough 
I guess you could say respect and also like a healthy respect for what war would look like between the United States and Russia. The United States isn't going to show up on, you know, the, the Russia Russia's doorstep with troops or like send in some sort of special forces group to, to tax some apartment and kill a bunch of fucking nerds. You know what I mean? With whatever the Russian equivalent of Taco Bell wrappers and Mountain Dew looks like all over the place. Um, Game you know, just start, start murking dudes. Yeah. You know, cause the United States, I don't think would do that either and just mm. be real quick in and out precision, like boom, 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 take these dudes out or, or take them and bring them back to the United States and put them on trial. Cause that would create all other bunch of kinds of issues. But, I would say this too, though, if you found out that like this, this attack was perpetrated by third world country, fill in the blank, whatever, right. And you were able to ID this third world country who can't defend itself. Right. And you know where it happened. There would be a lot more that would happen. Um, in, the, yeah. in my opinion, than knowing that this is a hacker group located in Russia. Right. Whatever third world country you could think of, I could see some sort of, you know, special forces operation taking these people out or, or, you know, bringing them to justice, however that looks. Yeah. Or if it happened over and over again, right? So like this pipeline got, got attacked, the electrical grid in Dallas, Texas got attacked and it was all this same group. There would be some sort of like in-kind equivalent response. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, there, there was... Um, demand from the United States. Okay. Uh, here, let me let me pull this up here. So the United States responded, like I said as well, um, by by establishing all these different um, you know task force and um, government agencies. They essentially, like the FBI says right here, declared an epidemic of ransomware. Right, recognizing the need to bring together industry, government, and internal partners and tear down silos that create gaps for the adversary and established the Joint Cyber Defense Collaborative, the JCDC, right? So, um, so the United States did something essentially to, to try and, you know, mitigate these sorts of things. Um, but I'll just go ahead and read you what happened. All right. So concern materialized in dark size ransomware attack, which was perpetrated by infiltrating colonial pipelines, computer systems and encrypting billing files. Colonial Pipeline controls nearly half of the gasoline, jet fuel, and diesel flowing along the East Coast, the United States. Colonial Pipeline shut down its operational technology systems out of caution to halt further infection, but eventually paid the hackers $4.4 million in cryptocurrency to restore its, o- its OS, its operating system. Did they? Even after receiving the... De- they did. Listen, and even after receiving the decryption key, it took days to work to restart the pipeline. So think about that too. First off, they paid them the four point four million in cryptocurrency, whatever that was fucking Bitcoin or Litecoin or whatever the hell it was. Right. Doge? I doubt it was yeah. Doge. <laughs> I don't know. It could have been. <laughs> it was probably something serious, like Bitcoin or Ethereum. Or yeah, you could probably find it if you if you want to Google it, what, what sort of crypto it was in. Um, but anyway, 4.4 million in cryptocurrency to restore the operating system. And this part, I think, is really interesting. Even after receiving the decryption key, it took days of work to restart the pipeline. So even after the decryption keys were given to turn this bitch back on, it still didn't work for days because it essentially had to warm up or whatever, mm-hmm. right? So even after recovering capabilities, it still was down for days. Well, so you're talking I, about – I'm willing to bet that this hacktivist group 
maybe they initially they weren't ex- they weren't expecting to maybe get the payment or weren't expecting to actually like mm-hmm. have to fix the issue they caused. So they probably just went all in, right? Mm-hmm. Like pff, just knock it down. And then when they got the money and they're like, "Hey, fix it." They're yeah. like, "Oh, crap. I guess we got to do that." And that's probably well, where I think the delay here, came in the in thing. days. Potentially. So here's here's the thing too, right? So federal authorities says right here we're eventually able to recover 2.3 million of the ransom. Oh, okay. Um, I'm sure that was done through some sort of digital means. But um, the one thing here that I, I highlighted to talk about is we were talking about before this this attack happens. It causes shortages in gasoline, diesel fuel, and jet fuel, which slows down shipping. It slows slows down people's ability to travel. People are going to travel less. You know, you're going to start prioritizing messing going with the to economy work over going to the beach, messing with the economy, right? And so, right here, panic buying. Okay, sounds familiar. It's happened for a lot of other reasons, even recently with toilet paper. Right? We all know what we're talking about. <laughs> Got to get that toilet paper. Panic buying by consumers. Panic buying by consumers depleted gasoline supplies at some service stations in the East Coast and also drove up retail gasoline prices, right? So here's where you're talking about the tertiary effects of this. You're not just talking about shutting down moving goods around the United States. You're talking about initiating chaos. You're talking about people going to the grocery store, buying up all the toilet paper, buying up all the ground beef, buying up all the diapers. Right, that's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. People do that. That's one of the actually one of the first things people buy when they go and panic buy mm-hmm. diapers and baby formula, which is really bad. Um, but it drove up the gas prices. It also creates shortages at grocery stores. So what else it are you engineering your here? Wallet. Well, it affects your wallet. But what else? What else is going on here? You're you're making Americans mad at each other too, right? Yeah, you're pissed Infighting. off that you got to the the gas gas station later than that fucking you know diesel tacoma all the way up there the front of the the gas line right there's no that diesel cummins, tacoma. that cummins right <laughs> i'm just saying how do you know you don't the, know the 6.2 you would know better VA, than i do yeah the 6.2 liter va raptor yeah. guy me all right just took that diesel just took that diesel cummins <laughs> yeah that diesel cummins yeah i don't know shit about cars you can, there you go i know cummins <laughs> Cummins, Cummins engines, right? Take diesel. Yep, it is a Take diesel. Exact. Okay, that's right. <laughs> there you go. You know, but now you're talking about tractors, and uh-huh. I know that you know there's there's different kinds of red diesel, all that stuff. You know, yeah, the yeah. tractors can go buy it at different places, but all kinds of different tertiary effects, and that's scary. And that should you should spend some time really thinking about what that means specifically for you. When that happens, well, I think and people let's let's. I think people should also think like, if the U.S. was ever to be invaded, right? Like a a nation's coming for us on our land. There's gonna be some pretty quick signs. Probably the first one is gonna be your cell phone doesn't work, mm-hmm. and the next thing is gonna be like your phone or not your phone your uh your car doesn't turn on. Your Wi-Fi's mm-hmm. down. Your power's out. Like these are all things that are going to happen. These hacking things, yeah, mm-hmm. they're done by a mm-hmm. hacktivist group or whatever. But I'm willing to bet mm-hmm. these governments are taking notice of how it happened, how it worked, and they're saving it for a rainy day. Oh yeah, yeah. This is this is called probing. Yeah, right? this happens very often. Um, 
so here uh, some more information on this, right? So I just uh, like Googled real quick for everybody. How did the United States recover the ransom money? Mm. So this is from NPR. It says court court documents released in the colonial pipeline case that the FBI got in by using the encryption key linked to the Bitcoin account to which the ransom money was delivered. So they mm. were able to recover that 2.3 million of the 4.4 um, that, that was taken. But right, but the response right by the United States. There was no offensive response or self-defense triggered response. There mm-hmm. was pay the ransom and then try to get it back. That was the response. And then to develop systems and task force and all this other to shit, stopransomware.gov. That's a real yeah. website to mitigate it from happening in the future, right? Um, but I, I do, I want to go back to what we were just talking about, man. You know, these sorts of attacks aren't going to stop. And they're going to be no, more than just like ransomware attacks. If if we're ever right, exactly, exactly. If 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 we're ever going to actually be attacked, okay. And I'm talking about like real like kinetic attack. War war is going on. The cyber attacks are going to happen. They're not going to be ransomware attacks. They're going to be like kill shots to take out the entirety of the electrical grid in major United States cities. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the panic buying over the fuel shortages by the Colonial Pipeline. This is on May 7th, 2021. You're just talking about a matter of days here, okay? It caused all sorts of chaos. If you And I, I'm saying this so people really soak in what this means. You need to yeah. be prepared. It's just a fact. You need to be stocking up you know water i'm not talking about panic buying i'm talking about every you know every paycheck if you can afford to buy an extra case of water you know there's all kinds of different food products you can buy that are you can store for Mm -hmm. years at a time right yep ammunition weapons figure out how to do that and the other thing too i'm just going to say i'm just going to i'm going to quote um uh aaron love our our uh, past guests and, and future guests, right? Good friend of ours here at I Came for Fire podcast. If you have no cardio and you don't know how to defend yourself, and I find out you got a bunch of shit in your house, you're just a loot drop. Yep, and that's a fact. So high value. Make sure drop. that you oh. high value loot drop. That's a fact. So if you're not able to 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 keep a hold of the shit that you got, and consider, like I said. When stuff like this happens, Americans are just going to get mad at each other, right? And I'm not saying all this stuff to cause panic. I'm telling you because I want to see people be okay, right? Mm -hmm. Take care of your neighbors. Take care of yourself. Make sure you have the necessaries. Make sure you're able to defend yourself, protect your family. You don't know how long something like that is going to happen, how long you're going to have to, to hold up in your house and survive on powdered eggs and dried meat for however long. That's part of the part of the point in this conversation I'm trying to make is that these attacks, they're very serious. It's not like getting entire city getting vaporized by a nuclear weapon where you don't have to worry about that shit because you're just pink mist. This is nothing works in your entire town and your city. Everybody is what happens when I always say this, right? We talk about social contract between human beings. Mm -hmm. That social contract is loosely held together as long as the food and water hold out. And when those yep. things go away, human beings get real basic real fast because mm-hmm. now you're talking about survival and it's survival of the fittest. And, and I'm not, I don't need to scare a bunch of people, but that's just the way it is. Right. So that's, that's um, how the cookie crumbles these. It is. And that's why we talk about, and we wanted to talk about these things and talking about them as, as acts of war, because 
these sorts of things are practice, like you said, Zach, for bigger things. They're probing, mm -hmm. right? And call them practice, probing, whatever. Um, but they're going to happen should we go to war with another country. Russia did it to the Ukraine, yep. right? China does it to, to us all the time. And I'm sure we do cyber attacks and shit to them to try to figure out, you know, their, their infrastructure and how their you know, cybersecurity works and how quickly they're able to respond to this sort of DDoS attack or whatever, right? Yep. Um, distributed denial of service attack, DDoS. Um, but, What's interesting is this is uh, yeah. these type of things. You said it was a hack, right? It was a technological hack mm -hmm. over the internet right. and all this type of stuff. But this type of mm -hmm. thing, a precursor to war or probing, mm -hmm. is not a is not a new thing. We did this type of stuff mm -hmm. in World War II. One of the main reasons mm. why Japan came all the way across the Pacific and bombed Pearl Harbor is because we shut off their one of their main fuel yeah. supplies. It wasn't like we blew yep. it up or stuff like that. We were just a seller of it, and we decided we ain't selling you no more. And they decided, yeah, well, we need it, so we're coming for it. So um, right. this isn't like a new war tactic. It's 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 kind of like it even goes back to medieval times. You got the all the people mm -hmm. in their castle. Okay, we'll just wait. You'll run out of food. You'll run out of things a siege. to do. Yeah, siege. We'll just wait on the outside for y'all to come out. Right. Yeah, no, you're right. Essentially what we're talking about here is denial of resources and denial mm -hmm. of you know functioning functionality of life, right? Yep. You know, so it and all those things, what are they meant to do? A siege on a castle is meant to starve people out and eventually hopefully they surrender, right? So you don't yep. have to, you know, expend your troops. And you can win with by just sitting on your ass, you know. And of course, you're going to harass them the whole time. Whether you've got trebuchets launching, you know, or boulders or whatever mm -hmm. you got. But anyway, before yeah, we kind of get off the, and so, the hacking part, Brandon, uh, mm -hmm. that list we talked about when we were showing it, it had a lot of like Iran, North Korea, Russia, mm -hmm. China. But if you go through that list, you'll see there's not a single time where that list talks about the United States of America, which as right. much as Thank we you. do love the United States of America, oh, I'm willing to bet mm -hmm. the U.S. is also doing some probing stuff. And this I yeah. uh, I knew of oh, yeah. this this thing vaguely, and you kind of told me more about it mm -hmm. uh, yesterday when we were talking, um, but the U.S. has actually hacked another country. And so we're sitting here talking about, um, is it an act of war? And what I'm kind of, what I'm getting to, and I want you to kind of talk more about it because you definitely know more about it is when the U S mm -hmm. hacked Iran and their nuclear program. Um, Oh yes. Yeah, and yeah. like, should, should have, should I, would I ran, I guess after you discuss it, uh, should I ran or what would have I ran? I can't speak. Sorry. Would I ran? have had a reason to declare war on the U.S. after we did this to them? Is this like a thing mm -hmm. that they could have been like, hey, so if you could tell listeners and watchers kind of what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah, so what you're talking about is the Stuxnet worm. And this happened, I want to say in 2007. Let me just go ahead. This is, this is a kind of shitty podcasting, but I'll pull it up here real quick when this happened so I don't misspeak. I threw him um, on the loop, guys. So he, he wasn't ready. <laughs> you did. Um, yes, you're talking about the Stuxnet attack. And um, it is believed that the United States perpetrated this attack on on um, Iran with assistance of the is 
of I think the Mossad, Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, so essentially, what happened, and this has happened, is uh, was discovered. The computer room was discovered in 2010. Um, so what happened is, is somebody had to carry a removable um, device, right? Whether that's a USB drive, flash drive, or whatever, and plug it into a computer there in in Iran. And what happened essentially is this worm infiltrated its systems. And these are nuclear refining facilities that this attack was was on. And they were refining um, nuclear material, right? And in in that process of doing that, there's um, essentially spinning of of this nuclear material, right? And and I'm kind of just like speaking in in layman's terms now. Um, But over time, what that worm did was throw off the rotational axis and speed of those rotations. And when those rotations were spinning at the wrong angles, the wrong speed, it just essentially rendered them completely useless and destroyed. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just an effort to prevent them from having, um, you know, nuclear ready material. Mm-hmm. And you can argue, you know, that, well, maybe they were going to use this material for, you know, nuclear energy or whatever, but, um, you know, you can refine nuclear uh, material, I guess. I don't know what the technical term would be specifically for nuclear warheads as well. And that's mm-hmm. what the United States um, has always been against with Iran having a nuclear weapon and, and still is right. And this is the, the big up, uproar about all that money, even though it was, it was money that was unfrozen that technically belonged to Iran in the first place. Um, and it's crazy. I just want to talk about that. I'll, I'll talk about mm-hmm. that here in a second when we finish talking about Stuxnet, but yeah, that is that is um, essentially a cyber attack is is a worm, um, and it's believed the United States and, and Israel did that. But I just want to talk real quick about the, about money. the money that was unfrozen <laughs> for for Iran. Yeah, yeah. So there's 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 two camps on this, right? There's people who are outraged by it because they don't want to see Iran get that money, and then there's people that are like, "Oh, the United States is a bully, and you know they were just holding Iran's money anyway. Like it, that Iran deserves to have it." Blah 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 blah, right? And the United States, of course, when 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 the decision to 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 release that money came out, you know, there was questions about why the fuck we did that. Yeah. And they're completely and totally valid questions about why the fuck we did that. And and the answers essentially were, well, Iran was told that they're only allowed to use that money for specific things, humanitarian things, things that are going to improve the lives of Iranians. You know, it has to be used for specific things, right? Yeah. And it's First like off, an if you're offshore, naive enough to believe it, that or if you have some sort of – It isn't an offshore account. Mm-hmm. It's like Iran has to request it for a thing and then it gets approved for that thing. But I, I know where you're going with this, and right. I agree and with so you on you can, this. Right. You can say – right. So you can say, oh, well, look, guys. Here's that money we pulled out of the account, and we went and redid this you know, this water cleaning uh, factory, yeah. and now people in this city have cleaner water, right? Cool. Well, That's now if you've money got a budget, that you've Iran's got a national government budget, yeah, right, didn't have to spend just, on the water treatment. Exactly. You just freed up money that they had – Exactly. You just freed up money that they didn't allocate in their budget already, right? Okay, we yeah. got to let's just use round numbers. We got a, a budget of a hundred million dollars, and we spent thirty million dollars to fix this water refining plant. And so, okay, cool. Now that thirty million we didn't have before, we just used to fix this plant, and we did what we said we were going to do. Mm-hmm. But now we're going to use the thirty million that we'd already allocated for that that water refinery plant, and we're going to go refine some nuclear material, right? Or we're going to so give some. You can sit uh, there and say some Gaza. 
terrorists some missiles for right. a certain yeah. attack. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right? So all you're doing is freeing up the money that you didn't already have for nefarious purposes, right? And mm-hmm. so it's just I don't know. I'm just again soapboxing for for the for the purposes of, of our listeners because if you're <laughs> listening you probably see uh see things similarly to the way we do. Um and you don't have to. Please come at us with other 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 angles yeah. for sure. But comment um, yeah. on our video if you it's think crazy it's crazy what cyber attack can do. And subscribe. Yeah. So you can comment <laughs> more about how we're idiots. But um <laughs> Exactly. So I want to talk to we're gonna I'm gonna talk about this one and then I want to bring up a, an example I learned about this year that happened um, okay. with the Marine Corps. So the Marine Corps essentially was buying laptops from a specific company, and that company was in China. It was a Chinese company, and it was one of these companies where, like, there was like a um, what is it like a dummy company where you're purchasing through, so mm-hmm. you can say, "Well, you're not actually buying things from China, but the actual source of that company is Chinese." Yeah, the Air Force does and with Marine Corps were, were using these. Sure, it happens all the time. Yeah, but the Marine Corps were using these laptops. And what does every DoD laptop have on it? It's got Microsoft operating systems, okay? And these Microsoft operating systems were infected with Chinese spyware. And the Marine Corps was using these laptops for years for all kinds of shit. So geospatial intelligence, communications, right? Sipper crap, you know, Mm -hmm. all kinds of shit. Chinese spyware the whole fucking time, right? So to me... I just want to let's let's dwell on that for a second before I talk about this other ransomware attack. Okay, do you, Zach? Right, your personal opinion. Do you see that as and this is our show, right? Do you see that as an act of war? I do. Is that not something that you would do? Yeah, I see that. Is is that not something that you would do? to an enemy. Yeah, hundred percent. Think of the Enigma, World War Two. Right. Yep. Mm -hmm. Expand. It's it's the Chinese government specifically putting stuff onto government computers, knowing that they're going to go to the Marine Corps so they can then get a bunch of information. Mm-hmm. Who knows what they got? They could have got troop movement information, stuff about Muse, which is military oh, expeditionary kind. unit, um, like a whole bunch of stuff, right? And after, if I was if I was the U.S. government, after I found out that this was happening. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would necessarily do a kinetic response, um, but I would mm-hmm. first, we would need to verify where the heck we're getting our computers from. That's what we'd first need to do. And probably like, uh, let's mm-hmm. buy from America. We have a Dell right here. Let's just do that. That's It might be more expensive, but right. our national, national security is protected. Right. So let's start there. Um, but as a response right. to China, um, and this kind of goes into like the nine steps that the UN has, right? What did you do to try to not go to a very aggressive response? Sanctions, mm-hmm. like really hard sanctions on those type of components. Um, call them out in the international community um, and stop right. a lot of trade that kind of hurts their economy in that specific time. Yeah, I mean, you've seen stuff like that even recently. We can talk about how with the United States, um, the microprocessors in, in China hit the United States back with the um, prohibition of uh, rare earth minerals, right? Which yep. just ties back into one of our other guests, Christopher Messina, with sitting on the the 
world's largest rare earth mineral mine mm-hmm. uh, that the United States isn't tapping into in Greenland. Um, but see, we have good guests, you know, subscribe oh, full circle. There's another shameless plug. <laughs> I'm going full circle every time, but no. So like one of the things I, I, when I ask you, like, how is that an act of war? How can you see that as, as something? Cause it, absolutely. I, I agree with you. I don't think there should be a kinetic response either. Right. Like we're not going to drop a Moab on fucking Beijing because of that. Right. Yeah. Cause that no. would not be in kind first off. It's not equal but, to the and, act. And who knows what kind of games were right. Well, and who knows what kind of games we're playing with the Chinese too and the spying that we do on them. Right. So mm-hmm. could you make an argument that, you know, this just in kind back to us, you know, sure. You, you absolutely could. But what this speaks to me as is, is a, is a nation that, meaning China wants to spy on the U S military to figure out what we're doing to get a leg up. Cause that's why you spy, right? Whether you're in a hot air balloon way up in the air during the civil war, trying to spy on, you know, Southern troop movements, mm-hmm. or you're tapping into, you know, listening and you're using code talkers in world war two, right? Navajos. All of it is to get a leg up on the enemy. And that's exactly what's going on here when you're, you're doing that. And I'm going to be really critical of the U S military here and give a few examples. This one being being an example that we need to, like you said, verify where this shit is coming from. Yeah. For real. At a minimum. And and there already are. Yeah, there already are rules to say you can't be buying sh- stuff from Chinese companies. But mm-hmm. even within our own code, right, there's all these different loopholes to get away with it to, to not spend money on stuff and, and, and save money. Um, and it's essentially cutting corners and, and doing damage. And I'll give another example. Um, at a deployed location that I was at, we were using, or were, I was issued a Huawei phone and Huawei is a Chinese owned cell phone company. And every single one of those motherfuckers uh, is bugged. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just a Huawei phone. It was Huawei service run through the country that we were being hosted by. <laughs> and when I saw that and I, you know, doing being the person I am and reading and, and understanding, I said, why the fuck are we using this for official communication? And they're like, oh, well, it's just a cell phone. It's like, it's no, just you dumb motherfucker. Phone. It's not just a cell phone. It's not just a fucking cell phone. First no. off, there's a goddamn Chinese base five miles from here. You can see it, right? And we're using Chinese phones to communicate. I didn't use that motherfucker at all. In fact, I took a couple pictures with that phone for like shits and gigs. Like, I think it took a picture of a Humvee that it got sunk in the sand, right? But <laughs> I never, ever used it. I didn't call. I didn't make phone. I didn't send text messages. I didn't send schedules. I didn't fucking, you know, text anybody in leadership and say, hey, X and Y and Z is going on ever. Mm-hmm. It was literally on me. And I received phone calls from these people. And, you know, and I tried to speak as, and, and dude, I can't tell you how many times I just drove to them to explain to certain to things because yeah. I didn't want to give those right. And I, and I said it so many times like Sergeant Gresham, you're being paranoid. It's like, it's not fucking paranoia, right? Like at all. It's um, true. Consider our location and you know, it's the fucking truth. Right. Anyway. So just dumbass shit like that, that the U S military does um, to not protect itself and, and things like using Huawei cell phones is really easy fix, you know? Anyway. So we have to be better at protecting ourselves is, is the point of all that. But um, 
yeah. So the next one I want to talk about, unless you have um, some ex- expanding thoughts on what I just said, is one that I do know not. a lot of people will be very familiar with again. I do not. Is the Solar Winds ransomware attack. Um, this one is, again, pretty popular. This happened during um, Trump's presidency. Unlike the uh, the Colonial Pipeline one happened when President Biden is his term now. So I'll just read to you. SolarWinds is a major software company based in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It provides uh, system management tools for networks and infrastructure monitoring and other technical services to hundreds of thousands of organizations. Uh, among the company's products is an IT performance monitoring system called Orion. And this is where... Um, uh, the the hacker group got into it, right? In this hack, suspected nation state hackers. So there's the difference we talked about, right? Nation state hackers. So in in the in his initial public response to this, um, President Trump pinned this on China. Um, but when this was near the end of Trump's presidency, when the uh, the Biden pre- um, presidency took over, they essentially pointed the finger at Russia. Um, but there is some evidence that this was a supported attack. Um, a Russian supported attack by the Chinese. And I'll get to that okay. too. Right. Um, this is ha- this hack suspected nation state hackers that have been identified as a group known as Nobelium by Microsoft and often simply refer to themselves as the solar winds hackers by other researchers gained access to network systems and data of thousands of solar wind customers, more than 30,000 public and private organizations, including state, Local and federal agencies use the Orion network management system to manage their IT resources. So they used backdoor malware to get in, ransomware again, right? Uh, According to reports, malware affected many companies and organizations. And I'm going to list off just some of the government, like federal government organizations that were affected by this, okay? Um, This is from Reuters. Even government departments such as Homeland Security, Department of State, Commerce and the Treasury were affected as there was evidence that emails were missing from their systems. Private companies such as FireEye, Microsoft, Intel, Cisco, Dell Watt also suffered from this attack as well. Right. So that's pretty fucking serious. Yeah. When you have a so- the solar winds attack that happened and it affects the Department of Homeland Security, Department of State, Commerce, and the Treasury. That's pretty massive. Uh, Good. I-, I was going to say so I know when we said like assets final to national security, we said nukes, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would argue we did, yeah. that this attacking mm-hmm. so many high-level department um, agencies, that this would also be collectively mm-hmm. an asset vital to national security. I agree. And this kind of goes back into what you and I have talked about before, where um, we need to sort of outline what these attacks um look like right i'm finding our our notes here real quick we need to premise the need to outline acts of war and stuff like Mm -hmm. that yeah no we we definitely so premise need to outline acts of war it goes into the issue to where like the current u.s definition of an act of war is so vague and so Mm -hmm. almost nonchalant that any any enemy of ours can kind of just do what they want and test the waters, probing the whole time to just kind of see where the line is because they have no idea. But also the U.S. government, I feel like, has no idea where the line is. That's what it kind of feels like. And I think there needs to be like a set 
exactly set line of like this is it you cross this you get you get some missiles you get some 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 bullets you get you get mm-hmm. something you know what i mean and it needs to be clear and well, let concise. me ask you this this i agree and i think this ties back into what we were talking about before with deterrence because let's let's take it as base level right if you are taking over a section at work what do you need to do? You need to outline your expectations. You also need to outline like rules, right? You mm-hmm. understand what so people understand the parameters they're operating in. Having something in the the international community outlining what you know these attacks mean and and the sort of like in kind responses that are allowed or recognized as like I guess you could say like fair mm-hmm. for doing these things. If they're on paper, you are essentially setting the premise for deterrence by saying the international community recognizes hacking into the department of defense, the department of Homeland security's accounts and stealing information as an act of war or, or as an act, whatever you want to call it, something that is um, that warrants an in-kind response Mm -hmm. and having something outlined to say, this is, this is what happened. Like, and what will happen to you in the official community, um, I feel like is a good first step, essentially, in, in beginning new deterrence. Yeah. And being able to be like, hey, you can't mess with us anymore. We're not a pushover. You can just be like, hey, uh, the, the one I, we could use is the one we just kind of said, like, if you hack any department of the government's agencies or um, – their mm-hmm. servers, computers, information, any of them, then here is the exact response that we will do because it's an, it doesn't have to be an act of war thing. You can say it's an act of aggression. Mm-hmm. You'd be like, here's the exact response that we will do. And you mm-hmm. could very easily sure. just announce that to the world. Mm-hmm. Hey, here's your 60-day grace period. Hack away. But on day 61, this is now in effect, uh, and we will now respond. You, we gave you a grace period. Um, if you mess up, you mess up, and you're going to get the repercussions. And I want to be clear, the repercussions to these things, they need to be equal to the act that it was. I'm not saying, oh, they mm-hmm. they knock out the pipeline, for example. Let's now nuke Moscow. That doesn't make sense. That's not equal in any single way. It needs to be equal or to like, the act. Or like... Mm-hmm. Or like stealing emails, right? You steal these emails from uh, the Secretary of State, and they're they're confidential communications. You're not going to go and shut down a pipeline and affect civilians, right? Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. Right. So there would be some sort of precedent for that as well. Um, Maybe shut and, down and that would like that would engender a lot of really interesting conversation. Sure, but that's just like the thing is that's kind of like. I don't know. That that seems kind of weird. It's almost like a g- gentlemanly warfare, right? Oh, you take my troops here. I'm going to take your troops there. You're not going to do anything yeah. about it. Yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. There would have to be like something. And, and, and like I said, this, this would have to be, these would be massive conversations with massive, you know, you wouldn't call it even legislation. They would be, you know, guidelines essentially international law says this. And we all know that that doesn't get recognized everywhere because mm-hmm. there is no global government. Um. Anyway, I'll read you a little bit more about the Solar Winds attack. Okay. The Russian government has denied any involvement in the attack. Um, again, 
said that Russia does not conduct defensive operations in the cyber domain, which I firmly believe is BS. Um, uh, according to another Reuters report, a suspected, suspected nation state hackers based in China exploited solar winds during the same period of time the sunburst attack happened. Um, suspected China-based threat actors targeted National Finance Center, uh, which is a payroll agency for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Um, let me go back in here real, real quick to kind of, um, I kind of wrap up what I was referring to. Make sure I don't miss anything. Yeah, but yeah. Um, so Chinese and Russian state actors essentially exploited the Solar Winds hack to collect information. And so, what do you get from you know targeting the National Finance Center uh, specifically? Apparently, let's says here which is a payroll agency for the U.S. Department of Agriculture, you're getting a lot of information that you can sell, right? You're getting information you can sell and probably use against social them. security numbers. Mm-hmm. People's social security numbers, people's banking, uh, you know, checking account numbers, routing numbers, all this other shit. Who knows what else, you know, these, mm-hmm. these companies document, you know what I mean? Um, or keep, keep on file for employees or, or I, mean, I feel like the U.S. Department of Agriculture too, probably has all kinds of crap on American farming as well. Um, You know, you you could be talking about like loans with farmers. You could be because farmers have farmers, farmers have a lot of debt. Um, It's something that I didn't even know until I had a troop who came from a farming family and he kind of explained a lot of this to me that all that equipment, you don't just buy outright because most of it, you, a lot of these guys have like millions of dollars in debt that Mm -hmm. they kind of pay off through their farming ventures. Right. Um, But I, you know, off the top of my head, those are pretty serious things that the Department of Agriculture is is maintaining, and who knows what else they have. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's pretty wild that uh, what, what I was getting at is the you could like the was it you said the the finance department and stuff was hacked. Um, you could is the National Finance the, Center. Yes, as the enemy of the U.S., you could use that to like convince people to. To like cross the United States, like the hey, I see mm. you only make this much. I know you're struggling. I will give you X amount of money if you provide me with X go. amount of secrets. Right. Um, that that happens right. often. That's not like a like it, it happened to um to Navy sailors. Um, they were approached by China recently within the mm-hmm. last year. Like, hey, we will give you thousands of Are you dollars. About the recent one, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is we'll just give a couple thousands months ago. Of dollars, so you can. Uh, Give us some secrets on your ship. Um, thanks. They were both tried and found guilty. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it's happening. Pieces, pieces of shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, this is it's all kinds of like anything you learn about somebody that's personal can be levied against them. You've got a mother in the hospital. You've got a sick kid. You've got a bunch of debt. This is why all these things like these those dorky um, CBTs we take, right? Like it it gives you all this like wacky information about a fake person. And it's like, which one has the most identifiers that could be exploited (laughs) for, you know, espionage. And it's like, (laughs) dude just showed up to work with a Lambo, um, is buying everybody lunch, just took his family on two vacations to Disneyland and, you know, is now wearing D and G suits to work every day. Yeah. He's (laughs) a guy works at McDonald's. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like where the fuck exactly. Yeah, no, like where the fuck is this money coming from? I don't know. I sold a, a, the eleven spices and uh, you know to from KFC to the Chinese. Got but him. no. Yeah. Um what exact got him, ladies and gentlemen. We got, we got him. him. 
Um, one thing I, I, I did want to talk about, um, is there a defined act of war in cyberspace? Uh, the answer to that is no, there yeah, is not. There's not. Um, there is not a universally accepted official definition of an act of war specifically for cyberspace. Um, the application of this concept is to cyber operations is complex for sure. Um, some, some points, right? So there's everything that you and I have been talking about for giving opinions. And these are, these are essentially varying interpretations of events, right? And, yep. and some of these events we've made up. And some of these events have been then real, right? So the solar winds thing, the colonial pipeline, those are real events. We're giving our interpretation of them. Um, and the other thing with them too is it, it goes into back what you were talking about with the United States decided it was going to invade Iraq, the you know, kickoff GWAT. Mm-hmm. There was not a global consensus at the UN that we were going to, that it was legal what we were doing, right? Yep. And, um, just the same with cyber cyberspace, right? There has to be consensus on what these things look like. Like what you and I were talking about just a few minutes ago with outlining what some of these rules should look like. And that's kind of the first step in establishing deterrence and preventing people or trying to mitigate people doing these things is having an outline set of rules, knowing that there will be some sort of you know, sanctions or response from the global community, you know, at large or whatever. Right. Yeah. And you're talking to about like a, the threshold of the use of force, what sort of like use of force are you going to, to use? And again, like I mentioned at the beginning of this conversation, the thing I always told my airmen is that your, your initial use of your language is, is a use of force. You're telling mm-hmm. somebody to do something, ask, tell, make, right. That's it's your you first it use of force. You have a thing that has a clear, exactly. Stuff. That's your first use of force. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's that's that that threshold force that we're talking about, right? So these UN charters that can come out, these international laws or whatever. Um, but I do and I'll pull this up here to talk about. Um, there is something this is from uh the UN. The Red Cross also has a hand in this as well. Um it's called the Talon, Talon, T-A-L-L-I-N-N, Talon Manual. I'm just going to call it. It says it is a comprehensive guide on how international law applies to cyber warfare. Um, so mm-hmm. I'll just give you some of the key points here. There are nine as well, right? Legal framework, interpretation of how existing international law, particularly law in our conflict, applies to cyber operations. State responsibility. So what that means is the responsibility of nations, right? Sovereignty. Kind of goes into what we were talking about before, cyber mm-hmm. operations violating the sovereignty of another state, right? If the Houthi rebels decide that they're going to hack the, you know, I don't know, whatever water plant in California, they're not a nation, right? Yeah. Prohibited targets, um, outlines restrictions on targeting civilian infrastructure, kind of what I said before. You're stealing emails from the U.S. Department of State. You're not going to go and shut down, you know, a yeah. pipeline that, you know, yeah. or whatever. Self-defense pretty self-explanatory neutrality in cyberspace. This is an interesting thought. Neutral states are not allowed, do not, excuse me, neutral states are not allowed their territory to be used for cyber operations and armed conflict. To me, that's like kind of getting into that whole realm again of like, there are neutral states in war, like Switzerland is is the most, you know, used example yeah. of that, right? It's yeah. it's even a colloquialism. Oh, I'm Switzerland in this conversation. I don't have a side. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've said it before. But when you get to instances where you're like going to protract war against somebody, 
what is something that nations do pretty often to get away with shit? They put plants or production plants or troops in countries that don't have really a a hand in what's going on, or they'll use another nation to move goods. This is this happened um, in World War One, right? The United States was moving weapons to the UK and U-boats sunk the Lusitania, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so even though we were quote unquote neutral at the time. So that's kind of like an example of that. International humanitarian law, non-state actors, right? Which would be a terrorist group um, and then peacetime operations, right? So, uh, but the one thing here to, to, to definitely highlight, it says right here, this is from the Red Cross website. The Talon Manual is not a legally binding document, but serves as a highly influential reference for understanding how international law applies to state conduct in cyberspace, particularly in the context of conflict and warfare, right? Um, anyway, there are all kinds of other different things right here. Um, and the Red Cross, I did highlight too here. I want to say they, they acknowledge certain things that could be, um, if they come under attack, by a cyber attack and they fall right into the same things we were talking about with national critical infrastructure, right? Mm -hmm. This is from the Red Cross website. Dams, nuclear plants, aircraft control systems, because of their reliance on computers, are also vulnerable to cyber attacks. Networks are so interconnected that it may be difficult to limit the effects of an attack against one part of the system without damaging others or disrupting the entire system. The well-being, health, and even lives of hundreds of thousands of people could be affected. And that's the point. I thought that that summarized a lot of that very well. This yeah. is exactly what we're talking about here. That's something I didn't even, I forgot because I read that before, but I forgot about it when we were talking about it before. Could you imagine if a cyber attack shut down all the air traffic control towers on the Eastern seaboard? Holy Screwed. shit. Like, I'm sure there's contingency plans for that. Uh, there has to be, right? You um, hope. But oh my God, the chaos. Yeah. Yeah. The chaos that would ensue from doing something like that, that would be because now you're you're talking about a lot of shit that could go wrong. You know, we could sit here and speculate on on all of that. You know what I mean? But there are. So the, the point of bringing up these things is just to say that there are already um, things that exist to try and get these things outlined. You know, the Red Cross, the U.N., um, they all have, uh, you know, things on paper essentially these are charters they're not actual law they're recognized by countries as charters but they're not binding in any way there has to be some sort of binding legal thing that says you can defend yourself you know much the same way if you are invaded by another sovereign country you can defend yourself you know what i mean i, I just don't know what that into, would look like yeah it gets kind of into like a kind of a hard to define kind of area because a mm-hmm. lot of those specific charters is stuff that enemies of the U.S. are doing to us, like today. Like, so mm-hmm. if they do become, like, let's say tomorrow they just became ratified as international, like it's understood, then we're immediately tomorrow at war on paper, and that's right. where you, you you get the argument sometimes. And we we've we've said it before um, that like. The U.S. is at war with China right now. It's just not a kinetic war. Whether you want to believe it or not. It's a cold war. Yeah. We're in a cold war where things are happening. These governments are engaging with each other in realms that aren't what we're used to from like just from GWAT. And Mm -hmm. time and civilization is advancing at such a rate that even if we next week came up with stuff for cyber attacks, 
who's to say what's going to happen in the next five, 10 years. And something we want to talk about was AI. Yeah. AI can be a very weird Dude. thing. There needs to potentially be laws about using AI when it comes to war. There was the, um, yeah, that, like picture or video of like missiles attacking the Pentagon. And that went around real quick. Yeah. People thought that was real. Could you imagine? Yeah. Just, just think for a moment, you are like a commander of like a nuclear submarine. Okay. And your connection mm -hmm. is already pretty shoddy with the outside world. And then stuff starts right. floating around and you just get word or you think that the Pentagon just got hit by a nuke because some AI thing went around and now you just somehow got mm -hmm. wind of it and you can't communicate with anyone. Mm -hmm. And you're like, mm -hmm. time to retaliate. And you launch real news right. because you saw an AI thing happen. That's scary. That's where you kind of get into the realm of like right. things need to be very clear and concise when it comes to war because one false thing it, right. this goes back to the Cold War. There was um mm -hmm. there was a Russian commander who was in charge. I actually pulled it up. I got oh, it right here. You just grabbed it. Perfect. I got it right here. You, you read I it did. off the Yep. When you started talking about this, I I knew yeah, well I say I, I when you started talking about it, I knew where you were gonna go with this. Um so Vasily Arkhipov is a Soviet naval officer who credited with preventing a nuclear a Soviet nuclear strike during the Cuban Missile Crisis in nineteen sixty-two. Arkhipov was serving on the nuclear armed Soviet submarine B fifty nine in international waters when he refused to fire a nuclear torpedo at an American aircraft carrier. Mm -hmm. Um so essentially he's credited with saving the world. Um was told that Essentially, there was a there was an alarm, and that uh, he thought that the information that he he was receiving was inaccurate and was not the truth. Yep. And he did not fire that torpedo, and it essentially it did it prevented World War Three from happening and potentially yeah. nuclear holocaust. Yeah. Um. And and there's a there's a really I want to say what's it called? There's a there's a movie. Um, there was another one about that 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 ties that into yeah. Um. But anyway. He prevented, he literally prevented potentially nuclear holocaust or, or World War Three from happening yeah. by not firing that missile. That dude is absolutely a hero, like you, the like one, you're talking about. The one you just looked up was not the one I was actually thinking of, but it's very similar. There was another Russian like commander oh, admiral who his whole job in his like office space with his people was to just look at um, pretty much the air and space and see if anything was coming in, mm -hmm. and there was a glitch in the system. Okay. And it was showing a bunch of missiles mm. coming into Russia, like nuclear missiles and stuff coming to Russia. And he was like, what? This wouldn't just happen unprovoked. Um, it was like really early in the morning. And he thought about calling like the Kremlin or whatever, or whoever his mm -hmm. next higher up was to be like, hey, do we do we go? I got this. Yeah. But he decided to wait on it. He's like, I'm going to give it like five minutes because he's like, if I give it five minutes, then a couple of those nukes will hit and I'll still have enough time to retaliate. He gave it the five minutes, nothing right. hit, and it went away, and it was just a glitch from a previous exercise that Russia did like the week before. So he was also credited. I think I've heard of that. That's fucking not nuts, bro. Like that full nuclear response, even though everything in his systems was telling him, "Hey, here come the nukes. America sent them." Dude, thank God there are people out there like that who use their fucking brain, dude. Yeah, and um. This is this is totally not on the same fucking level, but it it reminds me of that uh, story I've told you before. I'm just gonna tell because it it's kind of funny, real quick. Um, one morning, 
I was coming on to shift. This is Halloween, okay? And I was working at our law enforcement desk, dispatching patrols, right? Just come on shift. It's like 5.30 in the morning. And immediately I get a phone call and it's some lady in housing. And she's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure there's a bomb on the doorstep across the street. And in my brain, and I didn't say this to her, I'm like, no fucking way there's a bomb on somebody's doorstep in housing, right? Yeah. But, you know, I have to treat it seriously. You know, I'm like, okay, you know. Where are you at? What's your address? What's the address there? What does it look like? Can you describe it to me? Can you decide where it's at? Blah, 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 blah. And she's like, yeah. She's like, I know this is going to sound kind of dorky, but like, it looks like one of those like cartoon bombs. And it's like round, spherical, like black, you know? And in my mind, I'm like, it's fucking Halloween. It sounds like you're describing a cauldron to me. I didn't say that to her (laughs) because I'm not going to tell her to go across the street and look at it. Right. And so I did not do, technically did not do what I was supposed to do. I took all the information from her and I had my buddy call me and I was like, Hey man, this is what I was just told. And I want you to go look. And he's like, yeah. He's like, okay, I'll go look. He gets there, calls me. He's like, bro, it's a plastic cauldron. And I'm like, I fucking knew it. And so I immediately called my flight chief. And this is the same guy we referenced in Slim Jim Chicken. (laughs) And I was like, Hey boss, this is what I just did. This is what happened. It got called in. I'm going to put it in the blotter. This is exactly this is, what it this is. This is what she saw. Yeah, this is how she, she described this bomb. Wiley and... Coyote. <laughs> right. Wiley Coyote across the street. Just ran Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. I just seen him, dude. The Roadrunner took off. Um, so stupid. But no, I was like, hey, man, you know, hey, boss, I didn't technically do what I was supposed to do, but this is what I did. And it, it ended up being a false alarm. And he's like, well, I can't be mad at you because. You're right. You technically didn't do what you're supposed to do, but you also didn't kick off a bunch of unnecessary bullshit. So good job. Right? Thanks, but no And that's thanks. definitely not the same as not launching nukes, right? No. But but for real, right? You, use your fucking brain anyway is the whole point of that story. But yeah, no, thank God for people like that. Um, but the you, you said something earlier to kind of go back to what we were talking about with China. We said it's a Cold War. I yeah. almost would say to me that to, to you that and everybody listening that it's not necessarily a Cold War because these sorts of capabilities didn't exist necessarily, you know, like they did when we were at the Cold, yeah. Cold War with the Soviet Union. And they like, had like sure, espionage United, and spies and say, sleeper yeah, the US agents was spying, type things. But right. we were killing each other's agents and all kinds of shit. Right. Mm-hmm. And you could sit there and say, like, this is the game of spies and all this other shit. But I would absolutely argue that converting a Russian spy to the American side by feeding him McDonald's and giving him Levi's jeans. Okay. (laughs) Versus shutting down the colonial pipeline is a hell of a big fucking difference. And, um, I would argue it's a very warm cold war. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's a global warmed cold war, right? No, it's, it's, um, I would no, but I that's that's kind of the point of what I wanted to say with this episode is I consider these sorts of things, this ransomware attack on mm-hmm. US infrastructure to be a kinetic attack. Because yeah. it is. Because it, it is immaterial how that pipeline gets shut down. It's immaterial how all the power in New York City gets shut down in the middle of January, the dead of winter. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if that power plant is blown up. It doesn't matter if it's completely rendered useless because of a cyber attack. It doesn't matter. Just like those Iranian um, nuclear refineries, right? Mm-hmm. They got ruined. Now they they got ruined over a long period of time, but they were ruined, 
that is a kinetic attack on Iranian resources, right? Mm -hmm. Kinetic meaning that there's actually some sort of damage that's happening, but it's immaterial in my mind how that happens. And so I would argue that it is more than a Cold War and that the U.S. is failing by viewing it as just a Cold War, whereas Agreed. the Chinese are very much viewing all of this stuff as actual yeah, warfare, hot war, war type States. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It may not be bullets flying, but it's definitely not fucking, yet. you know, yeah. Well, not yet. Right. And and something like that would be absolutely paired with some sort of massive cyber attack on the United States. So in my opinion, right. Yeah. And I feel like we would do the same thing if we were going to, you know, draw first blood, so to speak. Um, yeah. But that's the whole point of this conversation is I want to say that I do not believe that cyber attacks are non-kinetic and that they don't do real damage because they absolutely do. And we essentially, you and I are definitely in our little platform here are calling for more vocal, you know, vocalization and, and um, you know, things on paper, internationally recognized, you know, responses to these sorts of things, yeah. um, you know, for them to happen. Yeah, for sure. And that's kind of the whole thing here is we, in today's day and age, we have definitely got to a point to where things are way more gray, but we can definitely um, define things within our current realm of reality. We can define these cyber attacks. Yes. We can define this type of stuff. And it can go into um, even like weird stuff. Like we were talking a long time about cyber attacks and stuff, but um, mm -hmm. we had a crazy time in 2020 until just recently. Yep. From a very unique yep. thing that came from a country that we are at a cold war with China. Um, and this, that thing ruined the entire like ruined messed up the economy. Um, it mm -hmm. messed up like right now we have a whole bunch of inflation going on in the U.S. Like the U.S. has not been doing well since uh, the, yeah, the global community hasn't been doing yeah. well. Mm -hmm. And yeah, there's and there's argument that that might have been like a bioweapon or it might have been something mm -hmm. released on purpose. There's a whole bunch of things that go into that, or maybe it's released too early or it's accidentally released, um, mm -hmm. but that could also be considered an act of war. And I, like, is, do you think that could be considered an act of war? Yeah, I, absolutely. You know, there, there are no shortage of uses of biological warfare throughout history. Yeah. Whether it's, it's infected blankets or it's, or it's launching diseased bodies over the walls of cities, mm -hmm. you know, those are all biological attacks. And if you could prove that a nation did something like that, and um you know it, that now now what that is you're talking about affected the entire world right mm -hmm. but if you you know, you could isolate it and i don't even know if you could to a city or a single country you know yeah that would be to me that would be considered an act of war and would if you're let's say this if you're costing hundreds of thousands of lives because of a sickness then that that warrants bullets flying to me you know what i mean yeah um, it wouldn't just, you know, you're not going to, oh, well, we're going to go give everybody else over there, you know, get them sick too, blah, blah, blah. Like, no, yeah. like that to me would, would account for a lot greater of a thing. Um, so yeah, I mean, I would say too, if you like could, that it, is entirely possible. I wouldn't, I wouldn't yep. put it past governments having certain biological weapons that they already mm -hmm. have like the vaccine to, or the like fix for that they could mm -hmm. just launch into a battle space 
clears out a bunch of stuff and then your people can walk right through it because you've already cleared that yeah they're fine once they like take this or they have this and they can just go through um that's war it yeah, it's, it's it's a real thing and there are yeah, and there are already a lot of guidelines and rules that outline the use of biologics and chemical things in warfare. Mm-hmm. And we practice them all the time. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, because you know those a lot of and a lot of those things are outlawed. You know, the Hague outlawed a lot of those things, especially after World War One. The uses of certain gases is not allowed, right? Yep. You can't use certain things, you know, because of because of the effects it has on people. Yeah. And there's really no way to control a lot of that stuff, even though it dis- may dissipate in the air in a certain amount of time or whatever. Um, but yeah, no, I absolutely would think think it is. Um, but one of the things too, like you, I, I like. I'm glad that you brought up the AI thing because I think that that, that could be a scary area not just from like pictures you know mm-hmm. videos those deep fakes you know people yep. can now if you, ai can listen to us talk for five seconds and get our tonal infliction and uh, our voices down and then generate phone calls and conversations in my voice in your voice and you know you could without you know immediate confirmation say oh yeah that's vladimir putin or that's joe biden or it's whomever mm-hmm. and you know these are these are what they said and this is you know blah 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 so ai is definitely going to be another one of those things it's that frontier like cyber warfare where there's going to eventually needing to be some sort of you know i don't know what you call it, regulation rules on paper or whatever that outlines what these things look like the totality of circumstances you know what i mean we didn't even talk about intent ability and capability or op- opportunity if you you know if you want to describe yeah, those things so, real fast it's just real quick those those go into um to use force lethal force usually in a law enforcement setting or in a self-defense setting you have to typically meet um the, the totality of circumstances which is three things intent ability and opportunity now these are things that the person that's attacking you has to show for you to warrant your self-defense uh or your your use of force mm-hmm. um and kind of how that works is the best way to explain it real quick is a football field. You're at the one yard line, your potential enemies at the 100 yard line, you know, hundred yards away. Um, and they have a knife and they're waving it in the air mm-hmm. and they're saying, I'm going to kill you with this knife. They have the intent because they're saying mm-hmm. that they want to kill you. Um, they have um, the uh, ability because they have a knife that can actually kill you but they don't have the opportunity because they're a hundred yards away. Now, if you were to swap mm-hmm. that and then give them a gun and now they're saying, I'm going to kill you or they're aiming the gun at you, then they would meet all three. Um, or if they got really close with the knife, they'd meet all three. That's what that is. Um, you can't just shoot someone because they have a weapon. They have to show the intent and have the opportunity to kill you or break one of those eight preconditions to then for you to use daily force. And that that's what that is. Yeah, exactly. Those things have to match up. Exactly. Yep. Like you're saying, those things all have to all exist. You know, at the end of the day, if you end up using force, you're going to have a use of force review board and they're going to look at all those things. Just like after after wars are over, right? This happened in World War II. They yep. threw a bunch of Nazis on trial. There are th- so yep. such a things as war crimes because what you did did not match the totality of circumstances and didn't meet. You know what I mean? There's all these yep. rules you you can break in warfare. You know, not everything goes specifically. Right? Happened in Vietnam with um, the Mai Lai Massacre. U.S. Marines massacre, were exactly. ordered by their higher-ups to go in and wipe out a Lieutenant village. Butters. But, yep. They went I'm through sure and after they murdered name. everyone, they found, found no weapons, 
no stuff related to the Viet Cong. It was just a village. A lot of innocents died. Yeah, yeah, that was the uh, My Life Massacre. I want to make sure. Mm-hmm. It's actually. Oh, excuse me, the, I was um, wrong. It's not Lieutenant Butters. It's a uh, second second Lieutenant William Calley. That's who it is. Sorry for misspeaking. Thank God Google's actually, here. It's actually where the military, because um, before the My Life Massacre, uh, if a higher up gave you an order, you had to do it. That's where mm-hmm. the term lawful mm-hmm. order came from. So you, as a subordinate, mm-hmm. if you came up to me and said, hey, go kill that kid. I'd be like, no, you're an idiot. I can actually yeah. say no to you now. It's just as because... much as your duty to do what you're told as it is to tell somebody you're giving me an unlawful order. You cannot yep. just say I was just following orders anymore. That's a good yep. thing, for sure. Yep, for sure. That would, so talking about things that aren't cyber related, my question to you is, like, now we're talking about like oddball, oddball things that mm-hmm. are affecting our country and causing, you know, chaos and, and all kinds of other bullshit like TikTok, right? Information warfare. Um, you know, would you consider, I would not consider TikTok to be like an act of war, but would you, would you consider the use of TikTok by us military members, um, as something that should be like completely and totally banned? I know you can't have it on like government phones. Um, or would you say like, maybe something less stringent as like you can't use it while you're on duty and you can't use your, you know, you can't have your uniform on and your videos. I would say the lesser is probably more appropriate. It, the second one you said, mm-hmm. um, now mm. a lot of people when they join the military, they tend to forget that they actually relinquishing a lot of their rights to defend mm-hmm. their, their brothers and sisters, rights, their, their people to the left and mm-hmm. right. Um, that's why like, uh, you can't, smoke weed while you're active in the military. It's like one of the big things, right? That's a right mm-hmm. you gave up, even though in every other state you can smoke it as long as you're of age. State and, all that and type federal of stuff. laws are different. Yep. And so I would argue with TikTok and they did this with like with Pokemon Go. So like Pokemon Go was a real big oh, thing. Dude. And yes, yeah, everyone was doing it. I was doing it. But the issue with Pokemon Go Everybody is that it was used doing it. your camera to catch the Pikachu mm-hmm. or the Squirtles, Squirrel Squad's mm-hmm. where it's at. All the squirrels with sunglasses. But anyways, so they uh, <laughs> to catch the Pokemon, right? But the issue that was happening mm-hmm. is you had service members on a military installation walking around to go catch their Pokemon, and they're mapping the installation yeah. without even knowing it. And then they're sitting there, and they got their camera up, and right behind them is a PL2, PL1 asset, yeah. and they're catching mm-hmm. their Pikachu. But right behind right. him is thing that like the enemy needs. Now, mm-hmm. the uh, the company that made Pokemon Go was a Chinese based company. It was like a huge mm-hmm. thing, and so the U.S. government was like, "Hey, uh, I think it's like Niantic." They reached out to Niantic and said, "Hey, it is. Uh, you can't have this work on military installations anymore." And it doesn't. If you try to open mm-hmm. a Pokemon Go on an Air Force base or a military installation, uh, it just doesn't work. It won't yeah. find Pokemon. It doesn't do anything. You have to like leave the base for it to then work yeah. again. So if they catch you using a VPN, they'll delete your account. Yep. And then that, that's why like when you drive on installation, you'll see signs that says like photography not authorized unless like approved by the wing commander or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. Now, if you're in base housing, taking a picture of your kid at the park, that's fine. Yeah. State force ain't going to come out of nowhere and be like, hey, give me your phone. By the flight line, different yeah. story. By the flight line, taking a picture of the front gate, 
taking mm-hmm. pictures of the armory. Like, yeah, exactly. gonna, you never know what you're going to capture. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. It, I, think I would say with TikTok. No, yeah. So I would say with TikTok, um, you could very easily just with, just like with um, Pokemon Go, you can make it so it just doesn't work on military installations. The second mm-hmm. they enter military installation, a, a demarcation zone, TikTok mm-hmm. don't work no more. Um, and mm-hmm. then you could make a written rule where, yeah, you cannot use TikTok in your military uniform. That's an easy thing yeah. to just write up. And it's an easy thing to reprimand uh, airmen, soldiers, Marines, and sailors for. Yeah, I would argue that that, would, that should just be the baseline. Because yeah. I would also argue that if you're making TikToks or videos in uniform, that you're using it for personal gain. Because... If if you're sitting there in video in in now unless you are specifically like doing a video to promote the Air Force or the Army or whatever, you know, saying, hey, you know, come out to this event and support, right? If you're on there and you're cooking in uniform or you're doing your makeup in uniform or whatever, like personally, right? It's just me and I know there's some people that disagree. I think you're using your uniform for personal gain and you shouldn't be, right? So to me it's like that- as a baseline. That technically already mm-hmm. exists too. Like you're not supposed to use your uniform to get favors. Like, well, right? If, if you're what in, I'm saying te- is technically, if you're in uniform and you're like at a restaurant and they give you a free lunch, it's technically if you're in uniform, that's wrong. They're supposed to give mm-hmm. you a free lunch just because they like you as a person, not because you are in uniform. And that's where you, mm-hmm. it, it's a that you could that rule already technically applies. So. Like I can't use my uniform to go sell Kirby vacuums in my MLM thing. Right. I can't use my uniform to promote um, organizations or political stuff or anything like that. So you could Mm -hmm. argue probably currently um, that people using their uniform to get a better TikTok following um, would Mm -hmm. be frowned upon because they're using the service as a yeah. um, platform. Yeah. I just think, I think that there's, I would have to look at what the, the UCMJ says about that, but I think that you have to be able to prove that there was personal gain and I have yeah. like tangible, tangible evidence. You know, I don't know this to be a fact, but I'm pretty sure that the algorithms on Instagram, TikTok, all prioritize seeing things like multicam or BDUs, you know, stuff mm-hmm. like that. And it, it pushes it further. Um, so you could say, I guess that, you know, it's for personal gain because your reels are gleaning more views and therefore more followers and stuff like that. Right. Maybe you can monetize your channel quicker and there's all kinds of chicks that, you know, everybody's seen them use, use it for personal gain, doing makeup and then taking pictures of themselves in bikinis and Mm -hmm. yada, 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 yada. But the thing with it, I, I mean, to me, I think there's, I don't think there's anything that specifically outlines though, that you're not allowed to, um, you know, make videos and give your personal opinion in uniform. Um, cause you could, there's all kinds of different weird gray areas. Like you could say that like, if you're getting on, if you're getting in, on video in your dorm room and you're talking about like, and you're in uniform and you're saying, man, being in the air force has really made my life so much better. And, you know, I now my quality of life is better. I'm going to school for free. I just finished my associate's degree. And mm. you're just talking all this stuff. Like why should, to me, that shouldn't be illegal because it's, you know, you're, you're promoting the air force. Yeah. You know, so you'd have to give more spe- specifications. Like if you're, if you're at the gate on 
duty, armed up, in uniform, doing a fucking dance, and then smoking and joking and not fucking checking the the fucking IDs the way you're supposed to. Yeah, that should be – I mean, that already is, right? Yeah. Um, UCMJ will offense, but – I think you get what I'm trying to say. That yeah, I, I think there needs to be more specific, apply. specifically on TikTok. Yeah, I don't know if any of these rules apply to like all Air Force personnel, but being a recruiting, mm-hmm. I do know, like I could not like post videos or actually recruit with a personal page. It had to be a public professional page. So right, and then we couldn't do it on TikTok at all. So that argument for like if an airman is in their dorm room saying, yeah, I love the air force. They've helped me with all this type of stuff. Um, technically that's them promoting the force mm-hmm. on a personal page on a platform. The force doesn't pr- promote to begin with. So it's kind of like, mm-hmm. a, I don't know. I, I think it's something that currently military leaders don't want to talk about and they don't want to alienate people from joining. And so that's just something I think they're just. I think this is one of those things where you just, like what you the, just said. Yeah. What you just said about alienating people from joining, because I literally had this conversation with a senior leader in one of my units um, about that. And I was literally told my job is to keep, you know, airmen happy so they want to re enlist. And if we're having conversations about, well, we should let them use a, you know, TikTok, a Chinese spy, spy app, essentially just so they'll stay in the military. Like I would question what, what kind of airmen you want in the military. If um, I agree, you're, but it's the, a very, the, the hinge on you line. staying in the military. I mean, I think we're in a time when decisions need to be made and that the, the luxury of, of not making decisions, it doesn't exist anymore. Um, but well, not making a decision you know, is a decision. And that's why, like this, this well, upsets thing. you action. and I here. Yeah, is yeah, uh, yeah. No, that's inaction and not making yeah. a decision to say you just. It would be okay with me personally if it was like no military members are allowed to use TikTok. Point blank, right? Cool. Yeah. Like, and I'm not saying you should use your. I'm not saying you should lose your military career over it, right? I'm not even su- suggesting it should be an Article 15able offense if you get an LOR. Right. Let's do the, the whole progressive fucking discipline thing. Right. Yeah. You know, you and do it's, it five it's not times the, in a row. Well, sorry, you lost a strike. It wouldn't be the first time the DOD would restrict its service members from doing stuff like DOD yeah, exactly. service members <laughs> can't can't uh, can't like show off their bodies for like Hustler or Playboy. Even if there's well, yeah, no there affiliation that of that. T.I. did that. Yeah. Even there's no affiliation at all to your service. You cannot do that. It's not a thing you can do. I'm pretty sure that the Playboy Ti had her had her uh, campaign hat on, but she um, did. I'll even say this, dude. When I first came into the fucking Air Force and was working uh, at Malmstrom, I had to have permission to use pain relievers, and I'm talking about pain relievers you can go buy over the counter because of a certain program I was a part of. Yeah. So, like, if you're telling me I have to have permission to take fucking extra strength Tylenol, right? That's pretty fucking restrictive. You can't get your, you can't get on, and that does, that isn't, I mean, that does exist for certain people, but not, not for my level at that program anymore. Almost every right? single but SSI, tell- which is like, uh, you know, the instructions for security forces at their post, mm-hmm. all say you can't have a cell phone, but I promise you every single cop's got a cell phone. Yeah. Well, some of them now are, I know for a fact, let you have it, but I, and I disagree with that. It's for emergency contacts like that, right? It's not right. for making TikToks at the gate. 
No, they don't. Uh, dude, I've had I had leadership that just doesn't care. But anyway, hmm. I've had leadership that just doesn't care. But anyway, now we're talking about something totally different. Um, but when we talked about this before, and, and I just want to I just want to bring this up and then bring it up and kick it out real fast. I would completely, and I know you agree with me, completely and totally say that the importing of fentanyl across our border is 100% a a the Chinese Chinese viewed act of diminishing American capability mm -hmm. to diminish our capability when it comes time to go to war with the United States. And you can we can argue all day whether that's an act of war or not, but 100% serious offense against others to diminish it is exactly serious offense against others. It is we're talking about life and limb, right? Mm -hmm. All this other shit, fit, you know, all of that. The southern border crisis is a topic that we have had a video about with Vince Vargas that YouTube decided didn't need to get pushed the algorithm, which is bullshit because that's an amazing episode. Watch it. I really wish good. more people would go listen to it and check out Vince's book, Borderline. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think we both agree that that is definitely something uh, that the Chinese view as a, as a way to that they can diminish our capabilities and, and essentially using our rules against us. But the last thing I want to talk about on this episode before we wrap up is you were talking about um, the United States declaring war and, and voting to go to war. Mm -hmm. um, and we were offline having this conversation. And one of the things you mentioned was the Civil War. Yeah, the American Civil War. Mm -hmm. I would argue, essentially, that the United States, with all some of the things that have happened recently, and there's a lot of things that have happened, um, but I just want to talk specifically about the removal and to me, this is just like these are just like battles, right? Of a essentially a, a civil war, like a cold civil war, um, in the United States. And I say that you look at what just happened in Colorado, and then um, say that they're trying to take Trump off of the the ballot, right? And I would say that the right and left are both doing things in a war with each other on purpose to divide the American people that are of a cold war fashion, right? Cause mm -hmm. obviously there's, there's not actual people taking up arms against each other, like but I would say that the war. two predominant, that's what I just said. Exactly. Yeah. It's like a cold civil war that the American political parties, the predominant American political parties are at cold civil war with one another and they're drawing Americans into the middle of it by by you know preying on our passions, preying on our emotions, preying on things that that we need to survive when it comes to grocery costs, when it comes to gas costs, when it comes to how our children are educated, all these things that our government essentially is at a cold civil war by preying on us that way. And the two predominant political parties in our country are doing that on purpose. And that whether they view it that way or not, in my opinion, it is it is a cold civil war because there are two sides, very distinguishable, who are competing with each other and doing anything by any means necessary to prevent the other from winning. And that is exactly what's going to be the diminishing and the destruction of this country, in my opinion. What yeah. do you think? I agree. And the, the, the reason why I think it's going to end, it's going to lead to the end of the United States and it goes back to the Abe Lincoln quote where it says, like, the United States will never be defeated from the outside. Yeah. It will be defeated from within. We'll, we'll beat ourselves. Mm -hmm. like, that's what's going to happen. No one's yep. going to defeat us on the outside. We're going to we're gonna kill ourselves from within. We're going to rot from, from inside. Um, 
But mm-hmm. having this huge pendulum shift from right to left, then right to left mm-hmm. on almost any political yeah. level is not good. The United States needs to get back to a clear relative direction, yes. a path towards success, a path towards reform, a path towards growth, a path towards continuing to yeah. be the world's freedom, pretty much. Because uh-huh. this massive pendulum shift is eventually going to just lead until it's going to come. It's eventually going to swing so hard one way that it's not going to come back. It's going to go so yeah, I, far one direction, it's never coming back. And it's just going to get I worse it, every single time. It is. I think a good way to visualize that is have you ever seen a car start to lose control on the highway because it's going too fast and it starts rocking back and forth really fast and it just starts rolling? Yeah. You ever seen that? Yep. Mm -hmm. That's exactly how I view what you're talking about. That The pendulum is going back and forth too far that eventually it's the, the pendulum swinging on that chain is going to snap just like that car swerving back and forth really fast, loses loses its traction and starts rolling down the highway. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I, I visualize that. And I, I completely agree with you. Um, I do. Used, I think that our the two political parties in our country are at war with each other and they're using the American people as yeah. fodder. I've used this analogy a couple of times with my family and, and, and some friends. I don't know if I've told you before, Brandon, but when it comes to politics, I say it's best to look at politics like a bus route okay Okay. no politician or no bus is going to get you exactly home there's not a bus stop Mm -hmm. in front of your house there might be that's super 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 rare most bus stops are like from one location to another location right so no bus yeah you gotta walk a block yeah no bus is going to get you directly to your home or directly to your destination no political party regardless of how you feel, it's going to get you to do exactly what you want or exactly what you need. But yeah. you can hop on a bus that gets you pretty close to where you need to be. So when you're mm-hmm. voting or when you're thinking of the future of the United States and you're thinking of politics, vote for the bus that gets you to closest to your destination. But when you're thinking Great that analogy. way, when you're thinking that way, don't be spiteful. Don't vote for the bus that takes you halfway across the nation to where you don't need to go just to make it so your neighbor can't get to their destination. That doesn't make any sense at all, and that ruins your entire trip. So when you're voting, vote for the bus that gets you closest to your destination, and that's it. That's called cutting off your nose to spite your face. That's what that's called. Yeah. I think it's a great place to wrap up, man. Um, yeah. To 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 summarize summarize real quick, Zach and I firmly believe that um, all of these things that happen, specifically the cyber stuff that the the Chinese exact on the United States, are are kinetic attacks. They are one hundred percent meant to diminish the United States' capabilities, um, diminish our ability to wage war and defend ourselves, and that there needs to be more that's done to outline what these things are and to determine what sorts of in-kind responses or retaliation or whatever um, that needs to look like. And uh, that's the whole one of the biggest reasons why we want to have this episode, and for also to to get you guys thinking about what these sorts of cyber attacks and other sorts of non. Um, 
you know, bullets flying types of attack on our country can do to you. You need to be prepared. You need to be ready. You need to be, you know, be able to take care of your family for a long period of time. You know, if you've ever been out without power for a few hours or, or even a day or two, it's rough. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? To maybe not have hot water, to maybe have to open up those couple cans of Campbell's soup and eat them cold or whatever you got. You know what I mean? But but consider having to do that for a week and then consider what a month might look like. And now consider everybody in your neighborhood and in your town is also going through that same thing. You need to be it's able to take care tough. of yourself. It is. It's going to be more than tough. It's going to be dangerous. Yes. And you need to be able to take care of yourself and understand that these sorts of cyber attacks can, and other things like that can, can create the sort of chaos that puts you in danger um, without, you know, bombs, bullets or, or otherwise. So um, again, if you find value in what Zach and I do and what we talk about, um, you know, please hit the subscribe button in all seriousness, please support, support our sponsors. It's a great way to support us by supporting them. It lets them know that uh, you guys are listening and that you find value in what they do as well. Um, and then, uh, yeah, you know, as, as always, we thank you guys for listening. Zach, if you don't have any final thoughts, I'll pause for you real quick. I was just going to say, make sure kind of what we're talking at the end is fortify all fronts. Be ready for everything. Thank you. Whether it be emotional, physical, spiritual, Mm -hmm. fortify all fronts. And we're going to get more into that concept and that idea uh, in the coming months. But that's our that's our I Came With Fire podcast New Year's resolution. I'm going to say it right now. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. But no, exactly. You need to be a whole person, spiritually, mentally, physically, all fronts that you can be the best version of yourself. You need to fortify all fronts. And that's a phrase you're going to start hearing us say more often because whether that is, you know, places you lack or things that you know you can take action on, that's what we mean. Getting yourself ready in all those ways by fortifying all your fronts. Um, and we'll talk more about that, but it is it is a great mantra to carry with you. It's something Zach and I firmly believe in. Fortify all fronts. Brother, thank you for the conversation. It was an awesome one. Um, again, if you guys enjoy this conversation, please give us a like, follow, subscribe, find us on social media. I came a fire podcast out.